This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. I'm Andrea, and I joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello, and Miss Brittany Brombacher is also here. Hello, the Steinbachers are here. <laughs> the Steinbachers. That's our new. That that actually stuck. I didn't think it would stick, but it we did. The Steinbacher lives. We had to figure out how to add the Brene in there. Stein Brene Bacher. Stein. Ooh, that actually didn't sound half bad. Steinbacher. That sounds like a disease. <laughs> <laughs> I have Kinda the Steinbacher. It's incurable. <laughs> oh no, it is incurable. Well, for- Stay with us well, forever. I'm going to like nip that curable, incurable disease talk in the bud. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everybody who is listening and watching. Of course, you can find us at youtube.com slash what's good games or on your favorite podcast app. If you haven't yet subscribed on your favorite podcast app, we would greatly appreciate you just clicking that little button. It helps us out a lot. And if you feel so inclined, maybe you want to drop us a review. That would help us out too. Over on the iTunes store, we saw some people trolling us a little bit in our reviews and that made us sad <laughs> i think that would be actually a really fun feature to read the stupid one-star reviews that we get from time to time on the show because they're just silly it's just like stupid stuff like oh they're, they're they're three girls why aren't there any men on the show you know like stuff like that it's like come get, we get men on the show we've had plenty we've had of amazing men's. male guests on this show i know um, we're gonna have tons more this year um it's one of my goals is to get more guests on the show but, you know, we've been working out some kinks with the new studio setup that I'm working on. And, of course, you know, we have some Patreon changes coming next month. So I've been focusing on that instead of scheduling stuff. But we have a long list of amazing people that we would love to get on the show. So, of course, if you guys ever have somebody that you're like, oh, my gosh, it would be so great if you got this person on the show, please email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. And we will do our best to reach out to them and see if, you know, they want to come chat with us about some video games. But until then, we have some news to get to. And this week, it is brought to you by our December Turbo patrons. Oh, yeah. That's right. We realized, oops, we forgot to read our December Turbo patron names. And we feel really bad about that. And we want to make sure that anybody who was in the December December Turbo December. patron category knows that if they feel that they didn't get their pledges worth or if they're upset about that, we are happy to refund you your money for the month of December. We are going to be reading all of the names uh, this week, which are from 
January and December. That's a lot of names, you guys. It's, it's going to be a lot of overlap names. But uh, we also just want to let you guys know that we understand that saying it was the holidays and we were busy isn't an excuse. You guys come first for us and you're our priority and we feel deeply sad and regretful that we overlooked this and we want you to know that we want to make it right if you feel bad about this or if you feel slighted or you feel like you didn't get your money's worth. So if that is you, don't be afraid to please just reach out to us through Patreon and we will help you out and get you taken care of. So with that out of the way, um, do we have the names? It's down below. Down scroll down rolling through the show notes yes um so if you're watching the video this week you may notice that this is the first time that i'm sitting at the new desk inside the what's good game studio i was like hey the other girls sit at their desk when we're not all recording together i want to sit at my desk i like it because it zoomed in on your pretty face yeah, hey, I can thanks. see you better. I can see I you. I know. Well, the, that camera. So what for people who always listen to the show and never watch it, I used to have to send a second camera to the video conferencing software that we use. So that way, uh, Britt and Steimer can actually see me when we're recording the show every week. Otherwise, they would just hear my voice. And that's makes for not great conversation <laughs> when you're trying to, you know, like laugh and have a good good time with people. So I was using a Nikon D7000, which is a really great DSLR camera that is designed to take still photographs. You can use it to make some really high-end video, but it doesn't have a lens that zooms on it because the lens I was using was picked out specifically for when I was hosting Gamer Next Door Weekly on Playboy's Gamer Next Door, their Playboy gaming channel, a long time ago. And I also used it for GT News back at Game Trailers. And... We were just using it as a secondary camera with some software, and I was really far away because I could not zoom in with that lens. But now I'm using a webcam like a real girl. You're a real girl. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, ladies, I totally just rigged this. But now I have the December Turbo Patrons at the very bottom of this document, and it's in weird formatting because I do not have Microsoft Excel on this oh, computer. Oh, shit. Wait, is it really oh. that different? Also, my door just opened on its own, and I hope it's my dog. I also hope it's your dog and not a ghost. Uh, not a ghost. <laughs> um, I don't know um, where the overlap is, honestly. In the I names. see it. You see it? What do you mean? Where I mean, o- like... Oh, I mean, I think we're we'll probably of us reading our amazing Turbo Patrons' names twice is really high, because a lot of our Turbo Patrons are the same, month to month. Yeah. Thank you so much for the ongoing support. It means a lot to us heart emoji it was my dog and now he's sniffing around my room and i don't <laughs> want to yell at him on the show but i'm about to yell at him on the show just pull your microphone away from your face maybe before you yell i will if it comes down to that <laughs> <laughs> but is he being a bad boy what's happening no no he's being a good boy but he's trying to eat something on the floor and i'm not sure what he's trying to eat i think it's a piece of equipment or a cord but i can't see go get I'm- it bread don't let him eat the equipment i'm making sure he's not i'm eyeing him Oh, <laughs> Got your eyes on the prize. right here. Okay, we're good. You little bastard. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> All right, so Anyways. are we doing these one, two, three? Yeah, or sure. Let's just yeah. roll, and then we'll just okay. do the other January names later on the show. And if you're, you're read twice, you're read twice because you're amazing. We're such okay. professionals. I'll start. Here we go. Uh, Lincoln Davis. David Icolucci. Alex Rogopoulos. Ferris Atay. Male Bittner. Justin. 
Foshi. I don't have my glasses. I have to zoom in. <laughs> Martha Emery. Lincoln Thurber. Andrew Susan. Andrew Susan. Kathy Lucas. Cap Dog. Kia B. Alberto Andres Videla. Steph Wu. Regan, Regan Imsen. Sorry. <laughs> Bill Stilwell. <laughs> Dustin Lewis. Tara Bruno. Zach Hershey Kiss. <laughs> Timu Nikanen? Nikanen. Oh my gosh, Timu, I'm sorry. I fucked up your name. <laughs> Dominic Wellner. Sion Stevenson. Professor Metal Gear. Aaron Saxton. Michael Shanholtz. Timothy Bennett. RJ Bryan. Trevor. Oh, sorry, Brittany. <laughs> no, we got this. We got this. Trevor Starkey. This is hard. We know how to juggle. Uh, Mal- <laughs> Melanthius Owen. <laughs> Jason Demers. Joe Schlieff. Cool Rat Daddy. Elmo Shell. Jared Howard. Tyler McCall. Carl Peterson. Carl. <laughs> Carl. Like, Carl. 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 Joseph I said it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Muhammad Muhammad. <laughs> Momo, what's up? Wait, Namely. did you miss? You missed Nom. Giselle. No, I no, said Giselle. Oh, you said did. It. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, Nambui. Wait, there should be more. There should be a lot more. Where are the rest of them? Where are the rest of What happened? <laughs> what happened? Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Technical difficulties. You're seeing There's how the so sausage is made. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What happened? While, Br- While Brittany pulls the rest of the names, I would like to take this moment to say, if you're listening and you would like us to read your name on the show, you can go to patreon.com slash what's good games. Why would you want to? <laughs> because shout outs are fun. And every month, Part of us is like, is it too long? Do people not like it? Do people appreciate it? And we always have such a good time because we love seeing the same names pop up over and over again. The amount of people who have been supporting us since the very beginning on Patreon is so incredible. And words truly can't describe how grateful we are for all of you believing in us and supporting what we do and believing in our mission and um, wanting to support our voices out there in this video game space. And we know that there's lots of other people that you could be supporting with your dollars and that everybody has budgets and you only have limited dollars to spend on podcasts and entertainment. And we are really grateful that you spend it with us. Boom. Hold on. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. You did really own out. It's all colorful. I don't see the, I don't see that. I don't see no stars. Let me. Oh yeah, just there refresh time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just refresh the page. There they are. <laughs> okay, so it's your turn, Andrea. We left. No, it's off. not. I. It's Brittany's turn. I think it's me. Chris yeah. Wilson. Thomas Jennings. Anthony Rodriguez. Jason Davis. Gregory Horton. E. Izari. Noel Neverez. Lucas Cheney. Rob Leonard. Mark Drastrup. Sorry. Oh, John Drake. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Joe Kennison. Emily Kent. Trent Pennington. Ariella Furman. Will Hernandez. Stephanie DuPont. Kevin Dunkel. Billy Shibley. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Sam. Jesse Spencer. Geek Heart Games. Tommy Larson. Punk Defied. Ross Haney. Simon Bergstead. Nicole Humphrey. Brooke Lurie. Asia Harris. Anthony Murphy. Jasmine Lee. Elizabeth Brooke. Adrienne Williams. Ryan B. Pure Blue Octopus. Andrew (laughs) Cotton. Pete Shoemaker. (laughs) Brian Harper. Jason Kerr. Sydney Carr. 
Gio Corsi, Roland Bala, Paige Porter, Eric Guerrero, Patrick Weller, Jay McCurch, <laughs> Matthew Godere, Ozzy Mieja, Christian Mieja. Rodriguez, Ripped Gamers, Lewis. Which is, by the way, a good thing to remember in the month of January. Uh, Ripped indeed. Gamers Facebook group. Check it out. Lewis Creech, Patrick Landry, E. Benjamin Checkness, Dale Sun. Donatio <laughs> Oh, my mama, Teresa Enert. And Ivan Bejarino. Bejarano? You got all your family members, Andrea. Look at that. I know. You sure right? did. They're sweet. Thank you so much again to all of our December, October patrons. We love you guys. And apologies one more time about missing your names and your shout outs in the month of December. All right. On to some news. Uh, the first story is really kind of impressive, but not surprising at the same time. Sony Interactive Entertainment has announced the PlayStation 4 is in global domination. So they sent out a press Perfect. Air horn. Um, they sent out a press release earlier this week. Also, is my the camera gone? note in the show notes is hilarious. It says, Sony Shell, how much are they paying you? Ha <laughs> ha. How much money? Give me some of that to WGGJ. Is my camera still working, ladies? No, you froze. Oh, you're totally frozen. I didn't <laughs> oh notice. My God, this show's a hard garbage truck on fire. Okay, um, I don't know you what happened. Can just turn the camera on and turn it back off. Or like click the disable your video and then click enable your video and see if it fixes it. Ooh. Let's oh. see. How do I do you're that? Are, you're making not a bad face. Oh, That's really? Because usually I make weird faces. Good. All right, hold on. No, it's like a semi-normal face. Why? <laughs> Wait, oh, where are you going? Jack? She's so she far left. away. She was like, I'm done. I'm done. She with just, she just so rage how about while She, she was so upset she... that PlayStation 4 is doing so well that she wanted to leave. She was like, I'm done with this show. It's over. Yes, it's um, over. Hopefully she'll get that fixed. But while she's doing that, I'm going to go ahead and read these numbers and we can discuss as soon as she's back. So PlayStation 4 has now cumulatively sold through more than 91.6 million units globally as of December 31st, 2018. That's insane. Within the above number, PS4 has sold through more than 5.6 million units globally during the 2018 holiday season alone. Moreover, more than 50.7 million PS4. Yes, you're back. Yeah, you're back. <laughs> PS4 games were sold through globally during the 2018 holiday season, which sums up to 876 million PS4 games cumulatively sold through worldwide as of December 31st, 2018. And Marvel's Spider-Man, launched in September, has cumulatively sold more than 9 million copies worldwide as of November 2018. John Cadera, the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, said, thanks to the continued support from our fans during the holiday season, we are pleased to announce the PS4 has reached 91.6 million units globally. We are also happy to announce that the monthly active users of the playstation network continues to grow or continues to show strong growth and has surpassed 90 million as of the end of november i would like to express my deepest gratitude to our passionate community around the globe and our partners for helping us achieve these milestones this year we will bring more enhanced experiences to our fans along with a highly anticipated lineup of games that are only possible on ps4 as we look toward the next ps4 milestone sie will continue to evolve and we will further expand the platform to deliver the best interactive entertainment experiences to the world Hot diggity damn. Yeah. That is a very impressive number. Many congratulations. I wonder how miffed they were that it didn't quite round up to 92 million. (laughs) 
can we fudge the numbers a little bit? No. It's so close. So close. So if you want to, I pulled some numbers of the top console sales of all time. Starting with PS2 at 155 million, Nintendo mm-hmm. DS at 154 million, if you want to count that. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, 118 million. PlayStation at 102 million. Wii at 101 million. And then you have PlayStation 4 at 91.6 million, followed by Xbox 360 at 84 million. So I think that PS4 has the opportunity to overtake the Wii's numbers and definitely crack 100 million by the time it's all said and done. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. No. I made a friendly wager with Tim Geddes over on Kind of Funny Games Daily for a whole pizza. Ooh. If in five years he believes the PS4 will overtake the PS2's numbers. And I said, you're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. There's no way the PS4 is going to sell over 155. Actually, I believe the most current numbers are 158 million Mm -hmm. um, for the PS2. It's just a different era. And a lot of people bought their PS2s as entertainment devices only, as a DVD player. Yeah, I can't can't see PS4 selling another almost 60 60 plus million units, especially at this point in the console generation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, looking forward to games like... The coming out this year in particular and going forward, I don't know. I mean, we do have some, you know, obviously, Tilo, Days Gone, Death Stranding, whatever the fuck that's going to do. Who knows? Um, but I just can't see that many more games coming out to push that many more units. The only thing, I do not think it's 60 million units worth, but a thing to consider is the different parts of the world. Like, they tend to purchase consoles after the new ones come out. So, like, PS4 will still have some sales. Oh, yeah. Uh, once whatever PS blah blah 5 whatever they're going to call it, especially countries like Brazil, like things are so expensive in that country that they tend to like not be able to purchase things until they are considered old. Sure. So, again, I don't think it's 60 million units worth, but <laughs> there'll still be some movement there a little bit, I would imagine. Still, though, that's effing impressive. True. It is. It's definitely impressive, especially when... You think about how Microsoft has not released their numbers in quite some time and has said that they're not planning to ever because it's more about engagement than raw hardware sales for them. And then we all know that it's kind of like a bullshit answer. That's a, we don't want to talk about it. Please stop asking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not to say that they haven't been successful this generation. I think the way that console wars used to be important aren't as important anymore with how diversified the gaming landscape is from a hardware perspective and microsoft is clearly setting themselves up to have a much more successful generation with whatever's coming next for them than the xbox one and i like my xbox one i love playing games on my xbox one x on my 4k tv it makes games super beautiful but they have suffered from a lack of first-party exclusives where Sony has absolutely crushed it. When you think about what we were talking about last week and some of our top games of 2018, there were a lot of PlayStation-exclusive games in the top 10 and in the top 5 for all three of us. And I think that says something. Yeah. Well, I think it also had to do with, you like, I, something changed with third parties in them, like, because I remember my 360, I played... Most of third-party games I associated with the 360, and I used my PlayStation only to play PlayStation exclusives. I didn't use it for anything else. But then this, you know, this this console generation, I find myself 
mostly using my Xbox as a media device and I'll play the occasional exclusive that we get briefly and then leave it alone. And like the only third party game I've really played on that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now. So I just think that that's also, they also, I think kind of let their third party partnerships lax a little more than they should have. And that was a really important piece of that puzzle. Agreed. Well, congratulations, Sony. You crushed it. You did it. Next up in the news, The Division 2 won't be on Steam, but will be on the Epic Game Store. Oh, snap. Snap. IGN writes, Ubisoft and Epic have announced a partnership to release Tom Clancy's PC version of The Division 2 on the newly launched Epic Game Store, according to GamesIndustry.biz. The game will also be available through Ubisoft, but will not be released on Steam. Additionally, it has been announced that Ubisoft and Epic will release additional select titles over the next year, and that any pre-orders of The Division 2 from other online stores would not be affected by the recent decision. Due to to the Epic Game Store taking only 12% of game sales compared to Steam's 30% cut, there have been talks of the platform being a real threat to Steam. Quote, we aim to provide the most publisher-friendly store, said Tim Sweeney, founder and CEO of Epic, providing direct access to customers and an 88% revenue split, enabling game creators to further reinvest in building great games. Vice President of Partnerships at Ubisoft, Chris Early, added, we entrust Epic to deliver a smooth journey for our fans from pre-ordering the game and enjoying our beta to the launch, Epic continues to disrupt the video game industry and their third-party digital distribution model is the largest, excuse me, the latest example of something Ubisoft wants to support. Oh, so man. this is kind of a big deal. I think Epic really needed a giant third-party publisher like Ubisoft in their corner to really make the Epic Game Store a viable thing. And I say that because... I assumed people would flock to the Epic Game Store, but then we reached out to you guys, to our community, people who play PC games, and a shocking amount of you said, I'm not planning on leaving Steam to go to the Epic Game Store. So now I say, would something like this change your mind? What if a company like Bethesda, who has been a mainstay on Steam, decided, you know what, we're also going to go to the Epic Game game store because that split is just too big to ignore i I think it's curious because like this is a sort of a power move in the sense like like hey we're gonna partner with them and it's because your cut sucks but i wonder if say we've got they've got ubisoft in their corner now say other people start to join them because they're feeling bold then steam's like all right we'll drop it and now now epic store is dead in the water like no one like you've no longer have the incentive that you once did because ever the average user is going to continue to use steam the average user is not going to epic game store i think yeah the average user is not going to want to abandon their library and by abandon i mean they're gonna they want everything in one spot however yes. if they do decide to go over to epic game store for whatever exclusive games i still don't think that they're going to want to continue to purchase their games on Epic Game Store unless there's an incredible incentive. And I don't think a lot of people are going to know why they should unless every time someone makes a purchase that there's going to be a little pop-up. Like, well, did you know that now these developers get 88% of the shares unlike other 30% from the other guys? And I don't think most people care. No, it's, and that's what I'm saying is I yeah. don't think people care enough. I It makes me sad, but I think the majority of people who play games don't understand about they don't understand the relationship the revenue sharing they don't get it 
And therefore, what are they going to stick to? They're going to stick to the thing they've had for how many years now? I still think it's exciting and it's good for Epic Games and it's great for the developers. And uh, but yeah, I don't I don't see this being a steam killer, which people are saying, is it going to be a steam killer? It's like, I, I don't think so. No, no, no. it's too. No. Like, this yeah. is a big deal for people like in the industry. It's much more of like a niche audience that really, again, cares about the rev split, all that kind of shit. But like you pull someone on the street who uses steam, they're going to be like. How much money do you think the developers made? They're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I just pay Steam and they give me a thing. Like what? It's a thing. Yeah. So last year I pulled a number. Steam released 7,672 games. And I wonder, you know, obviously if you're a developer, you you have incentive to go to Epic Game Store because of the split is favorable. However, if you don't have a following or a community around your game, you're probably going to want to go to Steam where there is that install base. Sure, the market is super saturated, but I feel like you would want to tap into that rather than go to Epic Game Store. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that was maybe something maybe I it depends on how engaged the Epic Game Store audience becomes. And it might mm-hmm. be a situation where it's like Switch, right? Like where because there's not a whole lot of competition, people right at the moment, obviously, um, people are able to find things a little bit more easily there. Why are you making this face? I'm making that no no, I'm making this face because I just recently went on the Switch eShop and I was just kind of hit in the face with a lot of uh shovel I hate, shovel I hate using that word, sorry. That's mm. such an old old school word. Do you remember about seven months ago when it was really good? <laughs> it was no, I, there's all these <laughs> stupid games on here and I'm like, this is starting to look like the freaking Wii and it's driving me crazy. So when you said Isn't that I got that a little mad. The concern that we had, I know this is a tangent, but I kind of don't care. But do you remember <laughs> when we reported on that story? Yes. When Nintendo announced that they were going to be adding so many more games to the eShop like we're twenty all a like, week. We were or all something. like, please no. We we're like, but maybe don't yeah because <laughs> it used yeah. to be that way yeah where you hop in the eShop and it's like okay you know oh, you I'm, found something I'm, cool yeah like maybe a few new games but i hop in there and it's like puzzles and drawing and family this and i'm like no it's okay yeah. anyway, and tangent but anyways yeah. if it was ba- if it's similar to like back in that day it might be an interesting thing where uh you'll see higher sales there because People are either more easily able to find it. Maybe the rating system is better. People are more inclined to use it. Whatever. X, Y, Z. So do you think Steam will lower their or lower and modify? I do think eventually they might. Depends on how many people they get uh, backed. You know, you basically have to back them into a corner. Um, And I don't know how many more publishers it will take for them to feel that way. Mm hmm. I mean, they might feel they're definitely probably feeling a little pressure now. Of like, ooh, we just kind of look like the bad guy. I don't know how much they care because they're still kind of rolling around in money. But yeah, so in 2017, more numbers, um, they made an estimated 4.3 billion, and half of that came from top 100 titles. So you know, it's yeah. Like- so at some point, if if a, if enough of those top 100 groups are just like. Fuck you. Like <laughs> we're, not, we're not publishing on you anymore. Enjoy PUBG's your like, indie bye. garbage. Sorry, that sounded really mean. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't. Not all indie games are garbage. Don't come at me. <laughs> That's, <not what> I'm <laughs> That's saying. it. The pitchforks are out. <laughs> the torches are lit. No. That's not what I meant. You know what I mean. But, um, yeah. But like the, the crazy part is that even though Steam has a bigger footprint and we've talked about the reason why people aren't moving off of Steam is because it's not just about the games, it's about all of the features that are built into the Steam client. It still is cheaper for Indie to publish somewhere else than it is on Steam because the revenue split is better. And it's tough to say if they're going to be losing out 
by having a smaller footprint on the Epic Game Store than on Steam. It's like, well, it doesn't necessarily how, – like, how, how, I would love to see some data because the question I have is, yes, let's say that there's 100 million users on Steam and that there's 10 million users on Epic Game Store. But if you're only getting, you know, 1% – of what's on Steam versus like maybe 10 to 20% what's on Epic Game Store. I'm not really good at math, so hopefully my math is sound. Um, <laughs> Impromptu <laughs> math, where's, not a strong Where's John suit. Drake when I need him? He's very good at doing math out loud. Um, like I, in my mind, I'm thinking I would love to see the data as to like what makes it better because there's we, as somebody who runs a YouTube channel and a podcast, look at engagement numbers and overall impressions and look at the data of our traffic all the time. And what we have found is that we get much higher engagement than channels that maybe get bigger raw numbers than we do or channels that have millions of subscribers where we have like tens of thousands, but we get more engagement than they do. And so I would be curious as somebody who kind of likes to look at the data crunch as to does an indie developer truly have a better shot at making money on Steam being put into that giant pool yep. versus being put on the Epic Game Store? Don't know. We don't know yet. Time but a good first, this is a great step for Epic Game Store. Really, really good. good yeah, job. it's a great partnership. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, next up, Fox has said that Alien Blackout is not a sequel to Isolation despite sharing a main character. So this is via Game Informer. So before I go into the story, just a little bit of background. You guys may have heard the rumors about Alien Blackout. There was a bunch of leaks, people thinking it was going to be another uh, mainstay PC and console installment, a sequel to Alien Isolation since we haven't really heard much from the Alien franchise. And now we have been alerted. That it is indeed a mobile game. And people on the internet have feelings. very upset about that. They have <laughs> some feelings about mobile games. About that. Uh, so Fox has announced that a new Alien game starring Alien Isolation's main character, Amanda Ripley, was on the way. It's called Alien Blackout. And while some fans of the terrifying stealth-driven game might be enthused by this news, they may also want to take a seat for the next bit. The game is for mobile devices exclusively, and Fox says it is not a sequel isolation alien blackout has you guiding amanda ripley and her crew through seven fear inducing levels in a setup that sounds familiar to five nights at freddy's you'll be managing a space station jumping from cameras and dealing with damage controls to try and defeat the beast the game promises multiple conclusions based on your choices a few hours after revealing Blackout, the official Alien account tweeted that there was more to come, possibly as a response to fans' backlash to Blackout's announcement. What hashtag replayed watch, excuse me, hashtag replay watch, that's the hashtag that the Alien account was using, means is anyone's guess at this point, but that likely means that more games as well, including hopefully a look at the Alien shooter that Cold Iron Studios is working on. And they updated their story uh, to say that Fox reached out to Game Informer to clarify that Blackout is a standalone game that shares Amanda Ripley as a main character but is not related to or a sequel of Isolation. So it, it makes me sad that mobile games just get shit on instantly for being a mobile game. It's, yep, I agree. You know, I get it. You know, with the whole Diablo thing in this, like you want a console game, all the technology, blah, 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 too big TV, blah, blah, whatever. But still, like, that doesn't mean this is going to be a bad game. In fact, you might thoroughly enjoy this. And maybe instead of shitting on it, just think like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to play this game. And I'm sure there's something else coming down the road. But for now, this is what I got. 
and be happy with what you have. LOL. Yeah, right. I'm with you, Britt. I think that people's gut reaction or immediate, you know, kind of spewing of vitriol on the internet is always hateful towards mobile games. It's just so tired. You know, it's like we're approaching the year 2020. Which oh my God, don't say that. No, we still have is, all of 2019. I know, but I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, in my lifetime, I remember being a kid and just thinking about the year 2020 as, like, a incredibly distant thing of, like, oh, we're never going to get there. It's never going to happen. Uh-huh. And now we're, o- we're almost here, and, like, we can play games on these powerful little mini computers that fit into our pocket. And I think that's incredible. And there's a ton of amazing mobile games out there. And it really upsets me that there are so many people that won't give them a chance and then instantly shit on them. Now, I'm not saying that you're not allowed to want more, that you're not allowed to say, hey, I loved Alien Isolation and I was really hoping for another installment like Isolation and that this clearly isn't that game. It doesn't mean that that game isn't coming or isn't in the works, because it was really widely received pretty positively. But it just means that they're working on this first. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. And it's, it's a like, different team. Like, it's exactly. not like the same people. This isn't taking anything away from you, I guess, is what... Right. Like, Sega isn't making this game. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm willing to reserve judgment until I get a chance to see it and play it. I think that it could work really well and could potentially be interesting like some of the art that you know we saw they put out a little trailer that came with it when they made the announcement which kind of happened accidentally um and now that it's out there i'm, I'm like this looks fine this looks totally fine I'm i think so, people are gonna find a reason to hate it you know and i'm so excited to see the numbers especially for diablo in this as well because obviously it's just been backlash 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 and I'm hoping that's just that's the vocal minority, right? Like, uh, of course, the, as, in doing what we do, we see the vocal minority a lot. Thankfully, not on our What's Good channels because we have an amazing community, but we see it in other places. And I hope these games come out and crush it and then maybe it can quell some of the the pitchforks and torches. But yeah, we shall see. And I know that there have been bad alien games in the past. Trust me, we all remember Alien Colonial Marines and the controversy surrounding that game. Oh, I forgot about that. But but <laughs> I I want to believe and I want to live in the wor- in a world and I kind of have to live in a world where I can believe something's going to be good and not believe something's going to be bad. I would rather set myself up to be a little bit disappointed than go in with this negative Nancy attitude being like it's definitely going to suck. It's mobile, it's trash. It's like, you know what? Like it's I'm too tired to be that angry all the time. I it just does can't. take a lot of energy. Right? And that's As someone from, who is angry quite frequently, yeah. it, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. So that's why I just don't think about mobile games in general, because it's just not really my cup of tea for the most part. Exactly. And, and thank you for making that point. If you don't want to play it, don't play it. You it's really not hard to not play it. And it's not hard to not talk about it. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not taken away from anything. I mean, unless they came out and said, no, all future alien games will be on mobile. And then it because we be think said. this is the future of the Although world. Although I will say the latest Breath of Fire was on mobile and that pissed me off because that was a really, really bad cra- cash grab. Anyway, just, those exist. They do. It's possible that this is one, but we don't know yet. Don't know. Yeah. All right. Next up. Oh, wait. 
I have a question here from Brandon KG Brandon. since he knows we can't pronounce his name so he's yeah. now only putting his initials. <laughs> he wrote into Dear WGG and he said, "Hello, what's good? I hope this finds you well." Recently, a new mobile game from the Aliens franchise was announced, and it got me thinking about the Command and Conquer Rivals announcement and the Diablo debacle from BlizzCon. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts were on major properties getting into the mobile space? I know these aren't the only examples, but do you think this will be more common? Thanks as always for taking my question. If you do, happy New Year and have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, so we answered this a little bit, um, but I think that we're only going to see more and more franchises getting into the mobile space. I think about even a game like Assassin's Creed that we were just talking about in the last story, how they have several mobile titles that have been successful and how it feels like every major AAA game needs a mobile counterpart because they know that people can't bring their consoles with them wherever they go or their PC with them unless you have like a really baller gaming PC, which I know some of you do. Or you're Andrea um, and you decide to take your console with you on vacations. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I enjoy playing video games while I'm relaxing. Okay. <laughs> I didn't bring it to Italy when I went though. So that's good. <laughs> I, I did. I did bring my Switch though. Um, <clears throat> but yes, I think the short answer to your question is, is Will there be? Will it be more common? Yes, absolutely. I think it's only gonna mobile's only gonna further spread. It's not going away. It's not gonna get smaller. So if you hate mobile games, you better strap in. <laughs> I wanted to speak about Command and Conquer Rivals because I know that also got a lot of shit. Um, Jason has been playing that every night for at least I would say one to two hours for weeks now since it came out, and he loves it. I think in total he spent maybe ten dollars on it but it's according to him it's great he's really really having a great time with it and he plays it every single night and he really gets into it he loves the strategy aspect of it and the matchmaking according to him is really great too so yeah if that's something you heard a lot of crap about i would say maybe give it a shot it's free that's all it's free free (laughs) i hate free there it is you that's would, our girl steimer you would <gasps> all right our last story of this week Brit's favorite. Do you want to read it, Brit? No, I just want to make weird faces the whole time. Okay. Resident Evil 2 Remake is getting a demo, and it's coming out today on January 11th, and it lasts just 30 minutes. That's what she said. <laughs> exactly, right? Actually, that's a kind of that's very like a decent long time. time. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm tired even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> word. So this write-up comes from Polygon. Capcom will give survival horror fans a brief taste of the Resident Evil 2 remake later this week. That means today. With a limited time demo. Very limited, in fact, at just 30 minutes. Resident Evil 2's one-shot demo will be available for PS4, PC, and Xbox One from Mission Objective. They can continue to replay the demo until the 30-minute mark is reached. The demo will also include a new cinematic trailer that's exclusive to the trial version of Resident Evil 2. While the demo itself is time-limited, the trailer included as part of that experience can be re-watched multiple times without limitations. Resident Evil 2's one-shot demo will feature Leon Kennedy as a playable character. The full game will also include Claire Redfield, Ada Wong, and other playable characters as featured in the original game. Resident Evil 2, of course, is coming to PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One on January 25th. So they have said, if you die, you can keep playing um but and if you finish it you can go back and start it over again but once that 30 minute timer is up it's up and i believe once it starts it doesn't stop so don't like load it up and play for 10 minutes and then walk away i am so tired (laughs) from all that dancing oh my god i'm out of shape oh 
So I've played this demo, and I think, Andrea, you've played this demo, too. I have, yes. When I played this, ladies and gentlemen, this was after I did the E3 stream with Capcom, which was about 45 minutes. So when I did this 30-minute demo, I just kind of wandered around. So you start off in the Raccoon City PD lobby, and Marvin's there, and you can chat with him if you want to. But what I did and what made me happy was just walking around exploring and looking at all the little details, maybe trying to solve like one or two puzzles, but just take it in. Just know if you're going to play this game anyway, there's no point in, I think, trying to finish the demo. The the trailer will be leaked on YouTube or posted to YouTube within a matter of hours, probably, because if you finish it, you get the trailer. Um, So, yeah, just kind of like just take it all in, bask in all of its glory, enjoy. Oh, I love those eyebrow waggles that Simon has given me. Well, it's just because you were like, you should play this. I'm like, but why would I want to play this 30-minute demo if I'm just going to play the game? Maybe we'll make you play it on the happy hour Q&A stream. Oh, so what I, yeah, that what works. I mean, I'll do that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, or the after hour stream, I mean. So if you're going to play it, let me clarify. If you're going to play it, I would suggest, like I said, just wandering around, look at all the details, take it all in, and just get ready, get your body ready for that January 25th moment. Uh, obviously, if you're not sure if you're going to play it or not, then sure, try to do the puzzles, but just take it all in. Look at Leon's hair physics. Look at his nice shoulders and his back as he walks. Ooh, Look at Marvin's baby, beautifully detailed face and his bloody bite wound. And check out all the typewriters and the shotguns and all the, oh, the statues. Oh, my God. I'm, so, I'm very... Brett, I think you might be alone in going into the appreciation of the level of detail and all of the But the toilet the paper in the hallways, Andrea, so much no, detail. I, I loved how much you <laughs> talked about the toilet paper in the holiday three. Like you were so excited about it. And I was like, it's fucking toilet paper. Oh. What are you talking about? No, <laughs> I only wipe some. And you're like, no, they needed toilet paper. And I'm like, sure. This people is need toilet paper, I guess. I don't quite know. honestly, the most hype I'll get for a game in a very, very, very long time. I am not thinking clearly. Granted, when the game comes out, I will be objective and I will critique it as need as you know need be. But for now, will I'm you just though? Yes. will you though? No, I have I have a list of things that I'm. You saw you were there for she's, my. She's been on. She's been critical of it already. Yeah, I got my things, but I'm just so much of a fan that I just fucking can't wait. Let's go. Let's oh, go. I feel you. Until Pokemon gets announced, and then you'll lose oh, your shit all over again. Oh my god! You know, what? I'll lose my shit with you if it's good. That'll be the next thing. Either that or if they had, it was Nintendo announces the next Zelda, obviously not for a very long time, and it's like realistic looking and aiming for that T, that teen rating, like Twilight <laughs> Princess. That will get me going. I too. thought you said T, like they like want some shade. I was like, what? oh no, <laughs> give me that teen, give me what? some blood, give me some drama, give me some dark clouds. Oh my god! All right, stop me. Well, I believe you have until January thirty first to play the demo. Yes. I mean, the game obviously the comes out. Comes on the out but if you're but... not sure if you want to buy the game. That helps. Yeah. So check it out. Have some fun. Shoot some zombies. It'll be great. <laughs> zombies. Zombies. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for our first segment. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And it's going to be something that's a little off the beaten path, at least for Britain. <laughs> so stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute. good everybody and welcome to the second segment of the what's good games podcast thanks for sticking with us we love that you're here and now it's time 
for us to talk about what we've been playing. And this week, it's brought to you by our Happy Hour Q&A. That's right. It's one of our favorite things to do with our patrons every month over at patreon.com slash what's good games. If you would like to ask us any question under the sun, you can do so in our Patreon exclusive live stream. It happens once a month, and this month it's happening Saturday, January 12th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. We're doing it a little bit earlier in the day, so our friends across the pond over in Europe can hopefully join us. And if you're, you know, have Saturday night plans, we won't uh, impede on them here in the United States. At 2 p.m. is going to be the after-hour stream. Yes, we have brought back a fan-favorite stream where we play games for you and sometimes with you, and most of the time pretty badly. (laughs) (laughs) Our stream last month with Human Fall Flat was hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, and we appreciate everybody who stopped by and played with us. It was a good time. We will be posting in the Patreon page. Uh, we By this time, it will have already been posted the poll for which game you would like us to play. And because we're shooting this in advance, I don't know what, what won. So you'll have to... Come by and find out on Saturday. Um, but we hope to see you guys there, and it'll be lots of fun. Again, if you missed the details, you can head to patreon.com slash what's good games, or you can check out our Twitter account or our Facebook page, of course, facebook.com slash what's good games, and twitter.com slash what's good underscore games. All right. So now that that housekeeping is out of the way, Britt, I Hello. see that you have been playing... What I mean, these are both kind of serious games. I guess uh, I don't know much about Y2K. That is not a serious game. That's actually probably one of the weirdest games I've ever played. And oh, you've played a game played with a the horse face man. That's true. So tell me all about Y2K, a postmodern RPG. Okay, so this is developed by Axe Studios, and it was announced... <laughs> you like that, my little accent? I did, I did. Anything for you, Steimer. Uh, 2015, <laughs> when it was announced, and I started paying attention to it because they dropped my trigger word, which is Earthbound. And it, mm. the Earthbound influences. And this game, like, I would say, like, Persona is kind of quirky. Earthbound is quirky. This game is just weird, but not in a bad way. So you start off and you are, I think, 22. You're this, he calls himself a ginger, so I'm not being rude, but he's a redheaded guy named Alex. And the joke that he has with all his friends is he's a ginger, blah, blah, blah. And you come home, and you're, it takes place in 1999. You have this red hair, like this epic red like beard, and then a flannel shirt, and then you just look totally 90s. And you come home from college, and you are at your parents' house, and you're going to run groceries or get groceries for your mom. And along the way, you run into a cat who steals your grocery list, leads you into an abandoned warehouse in some weird twilight village, and inside this warehouse is a bunch of puzzles and a girl who's apparently lived there her whole life. And she's some weird, like, it, it, I don't even know yet because I'm not that far into the game. But the good thing about this, me talking about this now, is I'm not quite at the part where it's embargoed. So I can talk about all that I've experienced so far. So anyway, you meet this girl and you're like, dude, what are you doing in here? You're sitting on a tree and there's like space all around you. And she's like, I don't know. I've just lived here my whole life. And you're like, dude, let's get an elevator. And she's like, what's an elevator? Whatever. So you take her down in an Wait, elevator. Why would you take her to an elevator? <laughs> to leave. Weird. To leave. To leave hey, this area. Hey, girl. Hey, baby girl. Why don't you get in this elevator with me? <laughs> and it turns out that the cat is her cat. You find the cat. You go down the elevator. And meanwhile, going down the elevator, she's abducted by these starmen. She starts crying like pink liquid. And then all of her bones are visible. And then she's gone. Okay. 
like legit this is it's weird and then you meet up with your friend and you guys are trying to figure out what happened to her because there's this website and it's kind of like um oh i don't know is there a conspiracy theorist website out there where they like probably like a reddit subreddit or something and her these pictures of her getting abducted by these starmen appear on the internet and then now you and your friend are trying to find her and you just met another girl who could do things with her mind i don't know it's fucking weird. It's just weird on so many levels. Not only is the story weird, but the art is kind of trippy. Like there are spirals sometimes in the levels. There's like random eyes that open and close. The music is so strange. There's everything about this game is weird, but I love it. But what do you do? So do you that's fight people? <laughs> yes. So it is an RPG. So think about. So I think this is where some of the Earthbound influences come in. It's um top down. You know, you're in. It's 1999. You're in a a city. And it's all realistic in that sense. You know, you have like your dial-up internet. You have your CRTs. Oh, hell yeah, dial-up internet. (laughs) The guy has a Super Nintendo and a PlayStation in his bedroom. Uh, So, you know, he was rich. I know, right? Actually, his mom is rich. She brought internet to this town. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) So so how the game plays is you are this 22-year-old and... Just looking at it face value, you know, it's a, a modern 1999 setting. You know, it's what you would expect from 1999. There are houses, there are stores to go in. You know, you can buy like burgers from a burger store and that replenishes your hit points. So anyway, from Earthbound perspective and influences, it's kind of you have these towns and you wander through the towns and you talk to people. There's arcades, there's sports stores. You buy equipment and level your stuff up. Um, if you fight... The fighting system is a little weird, too. And not in a bad way. I say weird, but it's, it's a good thing. Uh, so the the way the guy fights... Yeah, unique. The way the way Alex fights is he throws a CD that you have equipped. And but in is this it turn-based, or is it... It's turn-based, yeah. Okay. So it's turn-based RPG stuff style. And his weapon is a CD called He Wants It That Way by the Back Alley Boys. Nice. I like this. Yep. I like this. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, 1999 references, especially around that time. And it's all a mini game. So a turntable starts spinning and there's yellow and red marks on the record player. And as it spins, you have to push A and make sure you hit A when it's over the yellow spots. And then the more you hit, the higher like DJ your- Hero. Yeah. Yeah. The hi- more you hit, the higher <laughs> your combo is. I never played DJ Hero, but I'll agree with you. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how he fights. And another guy uses a camera and you have to push the button prompts when you when it goes over the little mark thing. It's kind of hard to explain. But for some reason, I am just so into this game. I can't put it down. And it's so strange. And I wouldn't even say it's like Earthbound because it's really not. But I think I'm, if you haven't played Earthbound, you won't notice anything. And if you have and you're a diehard fan, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like the some of the background music, some of the elements of how you play you have hit points and pp power points or psychic points excuse me so yeah anyway this game comes out january 17th on ps4 switch and vita and steam oh vita vita i found my vita randomly i've decided i'm gonna give it away at pax east that's probably a good idea it's a good home for somebody give it a good home but yeah Yeah. so i would say if you like turn-based rpgs and something that's a little quirky wonky and weird and it's a fun little, you know, because it takes place in 1999, so it's a fun throwback. The writing is really clever. The voice acting is really good. And it's, uh, I'm into it. I'm feeling it. I've only maybe put like five hours into it, but so far, it's a good time. Cool. Yeah. So weird. So the weird game that I have been playing is called Everything. 
So this is from David O'Reilly, and it's being published by Double Fine for Nintendo Switch. And it releases on Switch, I believe, where is the release date? Um... I don't. I have to look it up what the actual release date is. But this game has been out um, for quite some time on PC and other consoles. So it's just like it's just we're talking about it now because it's it's coming to Switch. And they so graciously gave me a code to try this out because I I didn't hear anything about this game. I had no idea what this game was. Um, but I saw that Double Fine was publishing it, and I'm like, oh, I like what Double Fine publishes. Maybe I'll check it out. And boy, oh boy, was I not prepared for how weird this game is. Um, Have either of you heard of this game or played this game? I've heard of it, and I just tried Googling it, and I can't find it, because when I type everything on Switch, I get not yeah (laughs) you get not this game yeah you have to do everything game so let me read a little snippet here from uh julie muncie's article on wired back in 2017 when um she played it on playstation 4 um Everything is the brainchild of David O'Reilly, an artist and digital creator who's probably best known for designing the video game interfaces used in Spike Jones's Her. In the video game world, though, he's celebrated as the creator of Mountain, a beguiling and confounding title about the life of a single mountain suspended in space. It lived on your computer, life grew in it, it talked to you. Eventually, it would leave. Mountain was a polarizing work, the sort of thing that provokes critical debate about what a video game actually is. At its heart, though, Mountain was an eccentric, playful meditation on existence from a narrow field of view, a sort of ontological toy box. Everything takes that same sensibility and projects it to the heavens. So you begin the game at a determined, procedurally generated point, a specific object in a specific place at a specific time of day. So in her review, she was a moose on an ice continent. In my playthrough, I was a palomino horse in a forest. Okay. Yes, and you do. You sing in the game. So you press down on the right stick of the Joy-Con to sing in the game. I'm using air quotes there because depending on what you are will depend what the sound is because you can be literally everything in this game from a tuft of grass to a whole tree to a single like microorganism on the back of a monkey to zooming out to being a whole planet. It's really difficult to describe what this game is. But like, what do you do as the thing? So, great question. So I started as this pony, right? And I go to move through the space. And instead of like walking like a horse does, imagine the pony is like a toy pony. So all the legs are fixed like a a My Little Pony toy where the legs don't bend or anything. It's just solid. Yeah. And when it moves, it just rotates a quarter, like 90 degrees at a time. So it's like a, like a mm. square rolling. So it's like like side, 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 side. And like – so I'm literally doing like somersaults as I try to move forward. And I, the first thing I do is like, this is weird. Why am I not moving? Like why is this not animated? Um, John's watching me play and he's like, because it's expensive to animate everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he's like, not wrong. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So literally every creature that has legs moves this way where you're just like we awkwardly somersaulting 
uh, and then you can find other animals like you in the world. So I did find another pack of, of Palomino horses. And then when you sing to them, they'll sing back to you and you can group up with them and you can all like somersault together. And I was like, I feel like I'm just like not going anywhere. And then you see these little icons, like these little cloud icons and you go up to them and you, you hit the A button and this little thought bubble comes up. And it's like these thoughts about existence and philosophy and all kinds of like frankly really weird shit that I'm like, why? What, what is this even like? What is the point of this game? And like I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out. And then I get to – I'm just – so I'm walking. I'm somersaulting through the world and I – you can ascend and descend into bigger and smaller items. So I went down to like a couple blades of grass and then I went smaller to like like a little duck and then I went even smaller to this tiny little green frog. And the way the frog was moving was like, imagine this is like a flat frog. It's just like shaking back and forth as it like goes through the world. Like the it's South like Park a- characters? C- uh, mm, yes. Worse. Oh. Not as smooth. <laughs> Even like more awkward looking. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yes, it's like that. It's like a super like oversimplified animation style. And let me tell you, when you're really small, you move real slow. Because <laughs> yeah. I was at a point in the game where I was kind of still in the tutorial mode. And it was like, oh, ascend into something big by getting close to it. And I was like, oh, I see a tree in the distance. Man, I was <laughs> slowly hopping to that tree for a really long time. <laughs> 40 oh days and 40 nights. <laughs> but then you can't move as a tree and you can't move as a blade of grass. But I mean, you, you can, can move back and forth. In this game. So when you're a tree, you still move, but it's almost like you're teleporting forward a little bit. Huh. Magic um, trees. Which is, yeah, which is really odd. But then when you sing to a group of trees, they kind of just put out this pulse. There's no actual audible sound. Um, but you can uh, group up with them. And then once you, you know, um, sing to them enough... Uh, you can dance. Sing to be the, the song of my people. Yeah, so you can dance. So I got into a group of... Trees and uh, danced. Uh, lilies. I was a lily and I was dancing with a bunch of other lilies. And once you start dancing, you can um, birth a new lily. And basically it just means it, it's like poof, there's like a little magic cloud and a new one appears. And you can just keep going in a circle where you're just like dancing and there's new lilies and dancing and then you're birthing a new one. And so this whole thing, I'm like trying to figure out, like, what's the point of it all? What am I doing? Well, what's the point of life, Andrea? I was like, do I need to be like super high to play this game? <laughs> Maybe. To understand what's happening? Um, huh. And I-, I got to another point where there was a new icon on the screen. And I was like, oh, what's that? And it was an audio clip. So some of the little bubbles that you can go and look at feature audio snippets from the late philosopher Alan Watts, whose worldview was heavily influenced by Buddhism, but he was thought by many to be a maverick thinker as well as a really fantastic speaker. So his voice really reminds you of that like old-timey radio voice, um, and it's super soothing and um, – there are some really poignant things he says about like life, the universe, and everything. Kind of makes me think about that line from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one of my favorite movies. Um, never actually read the book. Got to go back and do that. But it's, it's weird. So I kept – I decided, you know what? Let me just keep ascending and see how high I can ascend. So I look, looked up into the sky and I found 
you know, like a bird or whatever. And then I looked up again and then I became the continent that I was on. So like as a continent, you're kind of just like moving around the ocean. And then I looked up again and then I became the whole planet. And then once you're in the galaxy, man, if you thought moving as a frog through grass towards a tree took a long time, try moving as a planet through the wide open space of a freaking galaxy. Which doesn't make any it, sense because planets move very, very fast so they get through. Anyway, it's fine. They do, but the it's galaxy just the distance. Is, the galaxy is so big. Is like the scale is so much bigger. And there's no frame of reference in space. No. It's like at least at least on on Earth, I was like, oh, there's that tree over there, that tree over there, and that other tree over there. And I can look at the three trees and kind of get a, a spatial awareness. In space, in outer space, that doesn't exist. Because you're so far away from the other planets, it takes a really long time to get to them. But I did find one um, that looked like me. I found a ringed planet, and then I found another ringed planet. Did we you sang sing to, to them? Other, it was cute. Yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and then it took me a little bit to figure out. Um, I, I ended up becoming a different planet, an alien planet. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if I can descend into the alien planet. And you can. So I descended down and then everything was different on the alien planet. Like the birds were actually like these spheres. And I'm like, but they they were flying around in the sky, but it just looked like little orbs flying around. I'm like, that's not a bird. It's an orb. But it was an alien planet. That's what they called a bird. And then we didn't go down onto the grass level. Like all of the creatures are different. Like I found this little like squid octopus thing that had a weird name. And so it was like, it was a really fascinating thought experiment, if nothing else. And I've, I had to go do quite a bit of research on this game to be like, what the hell is this game? And why do people think it's so amazing? Am I missing it? And I, even now, like reading some of the reviews online, I just, I, I think something about the overall philosophy of this game is just lost on me because the graphical fidelity of it is so low that I'm having a hard time taking it seriously. Like, I think they were striving for the big kind of procedurally generated universe that No Man's Sky, I think, achieved, but they didn't get there. It's like a really rundown version of No Man's Sky, but without the fun like exploration, battle, collecting, and overall like RPG mechanics. There's really like none of that. Like It's really stripped down. It's... It's... Would it be a good game to give to your I, kids? Maybe no. no. I think no. <laughs> no, I think a child would get bored instantly because I think the bigger philosophical point the game I think is trying to make would be lost on a kid. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you have like Albert Einstein in your house, and I, and you have the smartest kid alive. I, maybe they would understand it or get Albert it. Albert Einstein would get it. He would. would or maybe he? there's people out there that are like Andrea. You're missing the point, and maybe I am missing the point, but. Um, it, the point is played, there is no point right it certainly played very well on the switch obviously like i mentioned this is out on other platforms but um i just i'm just trying to figure out what's the point of it all huh. I mean, it sounds I, very unique <laughs> i mean that's one way of putting it yeah exactly unique is there is is a good is a good, i saw that from steimer i was just using weird uh, She's like, yes. unique I, weird is, unique is, is what i like to good. say and then interesting <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it doesn't technically have a release date yet. It's uh, just slated for. Oh, wait, hold on. Does it? I'm looking at this right. January 10th is when it st- comes out. So it's hmm. out. It's out so today. Because that's yes. tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Well, we're recording the show on Wednesday. And Correct, you know, Mundo. On Friday, so. so if you want to check out the weirdness, that is everything. 
You can find it now on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I think that's but, unfortunate yeah. SEO because I feel like Googling everything on Switch will never, ever show you your game. It's just going to well, show you. You, you have to you search have to Google every- everything game. Yeah. Everything I game. I even tried that too. I'm no, just- I, I found it. Did you? It came up yeah. immediately for me when I searched everything yeah. game. Everything game works. Game, game works? Mm. Oh, no, okay, not game okay. works. <laughs> oh, oh, I see, I see, I see. I got it. <laughs> And well, if you need to, you, don't forget about those good old quotation marks. Google loves those. There's your Everything little frog game friend. In quotations. That's nice. yeah. yeah. Um, Steimer, mm-hmm. you have been playing Red Dead Redemption, which we're going to talk about a lot in the third segment. Yes, I finished but that you've also so been that we playing, can talk about uh, it. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. Uh, yeah. So was welcome I back. Sorry. I said welcome back. Oh, thank you. Uh, I I, I kind of want to read the thing that I had written. In our group chat because you got so mad and it made me laugh um this is okay <laughs> go ahead so go well, ahead. let me find it first so i obviously i hopped back into assassin's creed after playing um red dead redemption and as we've discussed a lot the horse butts in red dead redemption are fucking ace they're so good um and then i went back to i don't even know maybe i won't be able to find it because maybe it was too long ago but uh I went back to Assassin's Creed and I was like, oh my God, these are the ugliest horse butts I've ever seen in my life. The tail is hideous. It's just like, it's just an ugly butt. It's an ugly thing to look at. Uh, And obviously it's not animated as well. And oh yeah, all I wrote was the horse butts on AC are so bad in comparison to Red Dead Redemption. And Andrea goes off. Bad is relative. They have a horse that is literally on fire. (laughs) AC isn't trying to be photorealistic. I would argue the actual writing is better in AC. I don't care if the coat is shiny if I don't have to fucking tap X over and over again to sprint. That is the most Andrea response to something so simple. Literally all I had written was the horse butts are so bad. Brah. I maybe had a few glasses of wine when I wrote that response. It was, I laughed so hard when I saw it because I was like, this is the most Andrea thing I've ever seen. Oh, God. (laughs) And like, it's it's amazing Um, because you're correct that the functionality behind writing the horses in Assassin's Creed is better than in Red Dead Redemption because you can just set it and forget it. Um, But, but that just made me laugh really hard um otherwise assassin's creed i'm still enjoying it i it took me a, a little bit to readjust to the controls as you do with any game where you hop back in you're like how do i play this game again oh i accidentally like slash someone with an axe in town whoops <laughs> ah, just run away real quick everybody forget about it great um yeah transitioning from horse riding in red dead to ac you'll accidentally like hit your horse you're yeah, like, swing, well, I was like, I, I was on the horse, accidentally like swiped my great axe at someone. I was like, oh shit, whoops. Um, but the customization that they have added is so great. It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted from this game and what I felt like was missing. Because um, I was like, you were guys were so close, so close. And then they came back and they were like, here you go, Blink, fucking nailed it. Uh, so for those who don't know, when you first played Assassin's Creed, you couldn't quite. You could, like, upgrade a piece of armor and continue wearing it, but it was really never going to change whether or not that rare piece of armor was legendary or whatever. Like, there's always going to be better armor than it. You can just keep it to the level. But I had this low piece of armor that I really liked the look of, 
And I would just keep it there for cutscenes. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember <laughs> you saying that. And uh, so now in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you can go through and uh, just basically, I think it's you hit X. I don't know. You hit a button. I believe it's X. And then you can pick out and it automatically unlocks every skin that you have had, like that you've picked up along the way. And so you can just change whatever the look is of that particular piece of armor, which I was like, yes, it's simple. It's effective. This reminds me of Guild Wars. Good job. You did the damn thing. I mean, why not let people have that as an option? If they want to spend like 200 hours in this game, I think that's great. And I'm so glad you brought that up because they also announced a new thing this week. Um, they, um, this write up comes from, uh, Ben Kachera over at Polygon and says that Ubisoft is releasing a variety of new content for Assassin's Creed Odyssey throughout January, most of which is discussed in the video at the top of their post over on Polygon.com. The second episode of Legacy of the First Blade is on the way, along with two new Lost Tales of Greece. There will be new mercenary tiers, a new vendor, adding to the already extensive amount of things to do and earn in the game, but... I'm most excited about the upcoming ability to adjust the game's enemy scaling. Ah, that uh, is a good feature. Yeah, Ubisoft itself refers to this option as one of the most community-requested features since launch. When the update release is going to be released on January 10th, you'll be able to select from four options that will determine how the enemies scale to your own progress. Heavy, where all the enemies remain at your level. Normal, which is no change in the difficulty settings as they are currently. Light, where content around is two levels below your level. Or very light, where content is four levels below your level. That would be great. So, because here is my main critique, like of Assassin's Creed, and it's it's not a bad thing. It's just a frustrating thing as someone who wants to move through it quickly. Is like you are level gated, so like you can't. You have to do some side missions in order to get to where you need to be um, and not get your ass kicked. <laughs> so, like this is interesting to me. Like, what does this does this mean? I can get through this game faster? Because if so, great. Because uh, I will say it's funny. You're like, yes, there's more content being added. I'm like, content's not the issue here. There's so much here to do. I don't think I'll ever be able to do it. But yeah. I, I want to get through the story because the story seems very interesting to me. And yeah, I like I'm, I'm with you. And I was a little disappointed when I started playing Odyssey and I looked at some of the earlier areas like Cephalonia. And I was like, I would like to maybe go back there and do some of the side stuff. But then it's like it was at the same level that I'm currently at. And I was like, Oh, that's a bummer. I wanted to go back there and just like waste fools. I don't want to like <laughs> yeah. actually like have to use some strategy in combat. There'll be plenty of high level content to come. And I'm so glad that they added this. And it's interesting to me that some of the people are complaining about this. And I'm like, why? why? It's just an option. It's completely optional. You don't have to turn it on. You can leave the game as it is and be perfectly happy. And they even said that these options are not going to be available in nightmare difficulty to make sure that the challenge is maintained um, and that they're going to be putting warnings in the game that say, quote, this can have unforeseen consequences, such as content being too easy and not providing meaningful rewards. And I think that's really all they would need to do. But if you're intentionally setting the difficulty level lower, you're doing that because that's the experience that you want. It's a single player game. Who if cares? I want to play on baby ass baby mode, why does that bother you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised by this anymore. But why would anyone give a rat's ass how you play a game? Is it? I, I don't. Why people? There's a lot of important things going on in this planet on on this planet and in this planet yeah. as well. 
but in this world <laughs> why oh my i don't gosh. know man but i i think that's that's neat. a fan- yeah that's a fantastic feature and i bet going forward that'll be something we'll see implemented in their games and it's something i think more games should adopt that, that like will ha- that will help little old me actually make it through the yeah. stories of these games because i want Easy, to baby. let me love you I want to break free. That's certainly the game I'm really looking forward to finally taking more time in. I did play a little bit over the break, um, but because I saw that you had finished Red Dead, I was like, let me power through this and um, and finish it. And it's, my goodness, did it become quite a slog at the end. I talked about this a little bit on the Gamescast this week, but I just really felt like it was... I think it's so because much work at the it's, end. It's because you didn't play the first game, in my opinion. And like that's not a bad thing. And I'm not like shame. There's no shame bell here. It's just like I think and I actually have recommended people against it now. Um in the Facebook group, somebody was like, I'm not enjoying Red Dead. I never played the first. I'm like, honestly, I don't know that you're gonna get what you're looking to get out of it if you didn't play the first. The and I don't want to talk about this too much because I think I really want to dive into it in a spoiler cast. Um, But that's just kind of my my tip to those who are like, oh, you know, I never played Red Dead 1. I'm like, if you really like westerns and horses, maybe go ahead and give it a shot. But this game is very much designed to be a a companion piece to that one. I I mean, I agree. But I also think part of the reason why it was a slog for Andrea as well, and again, we'll get into this, is you didn't really... I think you appreciated the game, Andrea, but I don't think you were like, oh my God, this is so good. I love the slow pace of it. I like the Sims part of it. I like that I can just do anything, go fishing and hunting. Ah, like that wasn't your cup of tea. And as we'll talk about in the, in the epilogue, it, it maintains that pace. And mm-hmm. I think at that point, it's like you just, you're playing it just to finish it. You're not playing it because you were excited about it, right? If we weren't having the spoiler cast, would you have even finished it? No. Yeah. So, yeah. So, honestly, yeah. I would not have finished it. Yeah, I would have just I would have just watched us like a recap video or asked one of you what the end was. I mean, I partially watched John play through the end like like when it came out like over a month ago, uh, two months ago now. And I so I saw a lot of what happened. Um, I didn't see the end of the epilogue, you know, which we're going to talk about. But it was just like. OMG. Okay. So we'll we'll I'm like, can we just go move it to the spoiler cast? Can we go to the break now? Uh, we'll get there. But I want to hear about <laughs> Bury Me, My Love. Ah, yes. This is a game that I've been very interested in. And Britt, you, have you finished it or have you just started it? Yeah. So this game actually has 19 endings. So you. Whoa. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's so, a lot of but, ways to bury your love. Oh, sad. So Bury Me, My Love follows a Syrian family. Well, in particular, it's a husband and a wife. And you assume the role as the husband and your wife is trying to flee and um the developer pixel hunt did a lot of research and actually consulted with syrian refugees so this is a lot everything this is you a see, lot this- more serious than i thought it was yeah. oh sorry <laughs> so- i thought you knew <laughs> <laughs> nope so, well, okay yeah. mind, i will see myself into the corner don't worry about me <laughs> no don't do that so everything that happens in this game all of the scenarios are based off of circumstances that people found themselves in so it's heavy and it's a lot. Uh, so you are, this is a texting game where you are texting with your wife and most of the game you're just watching the conversation flow. I played on Nintendo Switch, by the way. This comes out, I think, the 10th of January on Switch. So it would be out by the time this podcast releases. 
Other times, though, you get the opportunity to try to sway her decision. What should she do? Um, the cab driver is now trying to charge her too much to get to a new city. Do you tell her, just fork over the extra money? Or do you say, try to find a cheaper option? Or maybe she'll find herself in a van full of refugees and a family. And do you tell her, this is shady, you should get out? Or do you tell her, just stick along for the ride? This is too much pressure. It, yeah, and... I played it through once and maybe took an hour, hour and a half. I was kind of playing it off and on, so I wasn't keeping track of my time. And I got a very, very, very sad ending when that um, it consisted of her calling and it was basically a final phone call and it was devastating. I was like, this is so sad. So it's a texting thing. And I played on the Switch, like I said. The, the problem playing on the Switch is that when I went for my second playthrough, the game crashed on me about four or five times. Oh no! And I think it was because of the path I had chosen, the the decisions I had made. Because the first time I played, it didn't crash at all. But there was one particular uh, dialogue piece that I could not get past. And what's frustrating about this is that this game doesn't have checkpoints. So, I mean, it, it does. But what I mean is after you play it the first time, you can't just pick up from anywhere in, within the game. You have to start all the way over. And there's no way to fast forward through these messages. So a lot of the time you're going to be seeing the same conversations that you saw before. I mean, that said, I still had a, a, a it was, you know, a very emotional, dramatic, serious game. But um, I think it's really good what they've done. What I would recommend is instead of paying the $5 for it on Switch, just pay the $3 on your mobile device. And it just has a few more features that make the experience a little more enjoyable. And you can even turn on this really cool um system where she will text you i don't know if it's necessarily real time but when you play on switch it's like text after text after text and then if five or six hours pass you'll just see a little screen with a clock going by but in this one if you send her a text message and she's like okay i'm catching my cab and you turn on push notifications she might not text you for another 15 or 20 minutes and then Mm -hmm. you'll see it on your phone so it's it's like you're having a real conversation and during some particularly tense moments you're like oh my god like are you going to text me did you make it you it's can like also real life. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> real life simulator. You can also uh, turn that off on your iOS or device. I'm playing on iPhone too. Um, I definitely enjoyed my time with it on iPhone more than on Switch. But either sense. way, if you have an opportunity to play this, I think it's really neat what they did, and it's it's beautiful and it's fun to see the chemistry between these two characters because they are husband and wife, and it's really fun. And every time you play, you'll learn more and more about these characters depending on what paths you go down and what decisions you make. So yeah, good times. Sad, sad. Cool. I was like, is it real. good times? It, it's a good like... time to play it. Sad that sure. it's based off of reality, but I yeah. think it's, uh, I think even some teachers I saw in classrooms were using this as like a, an educational tool as well. So pretty cool stuff. Interesting. Yeah. It's certainly one of those kind of games for impact type of games that 100%. I've heard a lot about that uh, I'm going to check out. I probably will play it on iOS. Thanks for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. Seems like the most convenient way to play because mobile games are the future, ladies and gentlemen. If you Boom. missed my tirade about that earlier in the show. 
All right. Um, because we all are champing at the bit to talk about Red Ooh. Dead Redemption 2. See what I did there? Yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> we're going to take one more short break, and I'm going to go get a beverage because we're going to be talking probably quite a bit. And if you have not finished Red Dead Redemption 2 and you don't want the game to be spoiled for you, um, maybe this is where we say goodbye to you and we see you next week. But hopefully um, you'll stick around and you'll listen to our conversation and uh, enjoy what we have to say. Until then, we'll see you just after the break. good everybody and welcome back it's the third segment of the what's good games podcast and it's the long-awaited spoiler cast for red dead redemption 2 from rockstar games as i mentioned at the end of the last segment which was just mere seconds ago this is a spoiler cast we will be spoiling everything in red dead redemption 2 the beginning the middle the end and the two-part epilogue so god help me if i don't lose my shit by the end of this um we're going to be talking about it all. So if you're like, I'm not ready for that, you should probably just say, hey, thanks so much. It's been a great podcast. And bye, I'm bye, bye. You, bye, yeah, bye, exactly. bye. You've been warned sufficiently. All right, time to get into it. But before we do that, we want to give a huge thank you and shout out one more time to our fantastic Turbo patrons for the month of January. We love you guys. If you guys want to get your own personal shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash what's good games and we will read your name probably wrong in this <laughs> monthly list. It's part it's of our, do our best to uh, pronounce your name. So let's begin, shall we? Yeah. With Aaron Saxton. Adrian Williams. Alberto Andreas Videla. Alex Regopoulos. Andrew Cotton. Andrew Susan. Anthony Murphy. Aurelia Furman. Bill Stillwell. Billy Shibley. Brian Harper. Brooke Larie Asia Harris. Carl Peterson. Kathy Lucas. Cool Red Daddy. Christian Rodriguez. Dale Sun. David Icolucci. Dominic Weller. Donatio Sinatio III. Dustin Lewis. E. Benjamin Checkness. E. Izari. Elizabeth Brooke. Elmo Shell. Emily Kent. Eric Guerrero. Ferris, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Eric. Ferris was mine to read, but Oh, it's okay. shit, sorry. I'll read, Gio, I'll read Gio Corsi. Gregory Horton. <laughs> Ivan Beharano. Jared Howard. Jasmine Lee. Jason Davis. Jay Mahui. Jason Demers. Jesse Spencer. Joe Kennison. Joe Schleif. John Drake. Oh, I get to run him twice. Ah, <laughs> Joselle Vasa. Kevin Dunkel. <laughs> Kia B. Lewis Creech. Lincoln Davis. Lincoln Thurber. Lucas Cheney. Mark Drastrup. Drastrup. Martha Emery. Matthew Goddard. Melanthius Owens. Michael Shunholtz. Mohammed Fahim Muhammad. Male Bittner. Nambue. Nicole Humphrey. Noel Navarez. Ozzy Mejia. Paige Porter. Patrick Landry. Patrick Weller. Pete Shoemaker. Professor Medicare. Punk Defy. Pure Blue Octopus. RJ Bryan. <laughs> Regan Inson. Ripped Gamers. Rob Leonard. Roland Bala. Ross Haney. Ryan B. Sam. Simon Bergston. 
<laughs> Dion Stevenson. Steph Wu. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. I think this is a Stephanie DuPont. Sydney Carr. Timu Nikonen. Teresa Inert. Timothy Bennett. Tommy Larson. Trent Pennington. Snarky Starkey. Oh, yeah. Tyler McCall. Will Hernandez. And Zach Hershey. It was yes. alphabetical that time by first name. Yeah. Um, thank you again so much to all of our wonderful Turbo patrons. Again, one more time, patreon.com slash what's good games. We cannot do what's good games without you. So if you like listening to us have shenanigans, funny stuff, and some really ridiculous conversations about the way horse butts animate, then maybe you want to support the show by dropping us a couple bucks at patreon.com slash what's good games. All right. Without further ado... I feel like I need to play that Western music. You're welcome. There's the horse in the background. That was a dolphin horse. That's definitely a dolphin, not a horse. Nay! Okay. Andrea, I love you, but we have lots of requests for you not to eat while we're shooting the show. It's one bite of jerky, and then I'm not eating anything else. Okay. I literally have nothing else to eat in the studio. Also, who's making these requests? I'm a hungry person. People on iTunes giving those one-star reviews. Oh, no. Um, Nom, nom. That's no reason. That's no reason for a one-star review. I don't eat on the show every week. It's just every once in a while. Hey, I I know. But these are not people that that think normally that we're talking about. I support you in your eating habits 100%. Okay, I want to talk about Red Dead. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, how do we start this? Because... Good Lord, I have a lot of things to say, but I'm not sure where okay. to kick off. Okay. So I so we should preface this. Andrea and Simer just recently finished this. I finished this back in October? November? November. November. It came out October 26th. Yeah, I did not finish it that soon. So definitely in November. I was I'm a little lying. rusty. That was Assassin's Creed release date. When did this come out? October 13th? No. What's the release date of this game? October oh, no, 20 yeah i don't fucking remember it's been 80 days and 80 nights well 80 years i don't know it's been 84 years I october believe. no it was october 26th yeah okay. 2016 2018 so I, <laughs> I watched some things and i got a refreshed refreshed memory and then watching all these cutscenes, oh my god i got really sad really fast because dude it's so fucking <sighs> depressing like the whole arc, I immediately, I was so glad you had finished it, Brittany, because as soon as I, well, actually, let's just, okay, I guess, do we just talk about what happens? At the well, end? Do wanna, first? Do, we probably shouldn't start at the end. Why not? Right? We should probably I talk start, about that. <laughs> we should probably start with some of the, the, the major beats. So, obviously, the story centers around new protagonist, Arthur Morgan. <laughs> He's part of the Dutch Vandaline gang. We all know this, and there's a bunch of other members of the gang. So you're on the run from the law from a crime that you committed in Blackwater and you don't ever actually go to Blackwater during the main game because LOL, why would you ever go back there? Because there's supposed to be money hidden there. That was a a big gripe I had that we never actually went to Blackwater. And then you jump into Red Dead Online unwittingly. You're in Blackwater. I'm like, oh, spoilers. (laughs) Wait, didn't Dutch go back to Blackwater and get the money, though? That's I think at one point they say Dutch went back to Blackwater took, and took the money. That's why there's no reason to go back there. I mean, according to the story. That's uh, why. It, I think it, that there was still theory. No, he kept saying it was still there, but like, we just I, need a little more money. We just need more money. I've got okay. a plan. You're like, shut the fuck up, Dutch. I could be wrong, but I believe Abigail told Arthur he went back and got the money. She overheard a conversation, which is why 
in the ending where if you go back for the money, it's there and she gives right. you the no, key. I mean, publicly, he I wasn't I don't think he was like touting that. But yes, oh, he, sure, do, sure, he sure. does have the money. It is in a cave. He like hides it near him. Mm-hmm. But um, I think pu- like to the, to the gang, it's like, no, we don't know. Oh, the money's still tied up. We still need more, which no, I'm- you don't. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Okay, so the camp, camp focus. That's a story beat we want to talk about. Yeah, so let's talk about the camp mechanic to start with. What did you two think about the whole rigmarole of building the camp, upgrading the camp, really kind of creating a camaraderie with your gang mates? What's uh, yeah, your, your crew, gang members? I don't know. Okay. At first, I was spending a lot of my time in camp, checking out what conversations I could see and witness um, and trying to build up, you know, what I could, donating a lot of my money. I wanted everyone to like me. I liked it when I walked by and it gave me positive reinforcement. But what I found myself not caring about were the cosmetics um, additions you can make. You know, if you wanted to put the skulls above like a tree or if you wanted to give someone a cowhide rug or whatever it was, I didn't really care enough. What I did do was upgrade all of the um, was like the I gave myself like a fast travel. I upgraded all the little stations or whatever they were. And that was as far as it went for me. So as far as the upgrading part of it, I I upgraded it as much as I could, like with that gave me in-game benefits. But after that, I didn't care enough to do that. Yeah, same. same. Uh, and I definitely, I think that it was really cool the way like you would just stumble upon people's conversations. And if you walked close enough to them, you would initiate uh, or you would like jump in a little bit automatically. Um, it was just interesting to see those dynamics brewing and like seeing who kind of got along, who did not get along, what was going on there. Um, but yeah, once I upgraded the camp uh, to Brittany's point, I was kind of done with it. Um, didn't care about the cow skin rugs, the cow skin <laughs> but I think rug. that's fine. Most people, I don't I, really think it, that it was to for. me, it was very clear that those activities were designed for somebody who wants to spend 500 hours in this game, yeah, which you can, because mm-hmm. a lot of the skins that you need to acquire the perfect skins that you need to acquire, by the way, in yeah. order to get those it seemed like such busy work that I was like, nah, dog. Yeah, you gotta like tag the thing through and then go hunt it down and not put too many bullets in it. And you're like, eh. Yeah. Going off of the camp focus, I mean, this is based off of that, but just the dynamic of those characters, like you were saying, Simon, just the conversations you'd find. I think those were some of my most memorable moments because I knew, I had a feeling going into this game that Sure, everyone's here. Like, we just suffered some losses. Obviously, some shit in Blackwater went down. But everyone's here. Our morale is high. I I had a feeling that as the game goes on, everyone's probably going to fucking end up dead. So knowing that, I really appreciated the moments when everyone was alive and together and happy. And there were some of those moments in the beginning when Karen would be singing by herself in front of the fire. After a big party, everyone was drunk and stumbled off to bed. But she was just singing a very sad song by herself in front of a fire and I just watched her sing it and I was like ooh that was pretty moving and then there was this other moment after another random time I came back to camp and everyone was drunk again everyone stumbled off to their own little campsites and uncle was out there it was uncle or Bill uh, sitting by the campfire by himself and just singing this song about um, I even wrote it down he said to our beloved west we say goodbye and then, like, the thunder just cracked at that moment above, and it started raining. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I got goosebumps. So I was like, oh, my God. Because obviously, knowing what happens in Red Dead Redemption, you know, you're right. The West is 
gone. You know, outlaws yeah. are no longer a thing. You can't just run around the the world, the country, doing what you want. Surprise! Like, and uh, that was super crazy. And I had a lot of those moments around the camp where I just saw these interactions that I just stumbled across. And it yeah. was just oh. that was the main reason why I ever ever wanted to go back to camp was to see what was going on with everybody there and to see what new conversations I could find like when I would go back. Be like, ooh, is like something gonna go down? Is Abigail gonna yell at John? Like, or is like, <laughs> <all right>. like <laughs> what's going on here? Like someone's someone's yelling at someone usually. Uh when you have as many people as there are in camp, which is a decent number, there's always gonna be people butting heads. But then what you're saying about the singing was really cute. I remember when you moved to, is it the second or the third camp where it's the house? Um, and like Javier starts singing and they all just have like a really nice um, moment moment together. And they're just, there were a lot of little things like that where you did feel attachment to these characters. And I think I had, before I really got, you know, too deep into the game, I remember thinking how horrifying it was going to be for me at the end because I thought, oh, no, this is going to turn the character I love, John Marston, into some sort of, like, monster because how could you essentially, like, turn your back on, like, a group that you've been with for so long? Um, I don't feel that way anymore. Good. Yeah, the the arc of John Marston throughout this game is is really fascinating, and and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I want to talk about the first major beat of the game that really got me hooked on the story, because if you guys remember, when we first all started playing this, I was having a really tough time getting into it. It was painfully slow in the first two chapters of the game. And it wasn't until we got to Rhodes that I really started getting invested in the gang and invested in the story where it really started to pick up. So you do a successful bank heist in Valentine and then you have a shootout with Cornwall and his men. And then of course the gang is forced to relocate when Agent Milton discovers the location of their camp, which another plot hole after he runs into Arthur and Jack fishing by the river, he easily could have just followed them back to wherever camp was because turns totally. out camp was real close. Right, and up, he didn't. The, right up the road. <laughs> but then the game would be really short. Um, so in Rhodes, they, of course, meet the two families, the Greys and the Braithwaites. And I thought this was a really fun little arc between these two families because it just um, it made for a good old-fashioned rivalry, kind of reminded me a little bit of like a Romeo and Juliet kind mm-hmm. of esque. And I think they even reference Romeo there, and Juliet. There right? is literally that- a quest line that is basically Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And you help so these those two, two rival guys families. Go. Of course, Dutch is like, let's play both sides and pit them against each other because they're totally never going to find maniac. out. Like, he just uh. thinks he can get away with murder, which he has for a very long time, oh, yeah. to be fair. But like, it's one of those people where they just vastly overestimate their skills and it's not to say that they're not skilled dutch is clearly a silver-tongued master but you got to know your limits man (laughs) yeah exactly um and clearly the the first kind of limit that comes to them is when sean gets killed Mm. and that death was really kind of took me by surprise i mean i think we all knew going in that clearly not all the gang members are going to make it to the end right somebody's got to die in this game fucking bill um, but yeah, I was just like, I was like, how, it happened so quickly. Felt like it just like poof out of the blue. He was, he was gone. And then you get into this firefight. It was really intense. It kind of put you in an emotional place. I watched all of the death scenes before we shot this. And I remember specifically when Sean was shot in the head, 
this is not good. I mean, Bill brokered this deal with the, was it the Grays, I think? And and Arthur Morgan's like, yo, dog, we just burned their fields. And Bill's like, oh, they don't know that's us. And we sold their horses. Oh, that's fine. And then they're just having a conversation. And Sean's just like, you think this is, and then kaboom, his head is just gone. And then he lays down. And then Bill's like, you think he's dead? And Arthur's like, of course he's dead. Look at him. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) But like you said, Andrea, it was so sudden. And it just, you weren't expecting it. Usually like in that sort of instance, you're kind of expecting like a gunshot or something. But bam. Oh my God. I don't think, I wasn't emotionally torn up about that one. uh, Mostly because it wasn't a character that, I mean. You cared about? You cared about that much. You Uh, seemed like his accent. Admit it. I was just like. Shut I up. liked him. No, no. He was silly. He, he was brought fine. Like, comic relief. Yeah, he was fine. He was, he was fine. the definition of fine. But um, <laughs> I do think it was it was a shock. It was a jolt to the system because it was just the timing of it and the way that they they put it together that way. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad. Sean's dead. Um, and I felt that way with a couple of the people where I'm like, you were just. They definitely bloated the gang in my mind so that they could thin the gang. And obviously, you knew going into it, if you played Red Dead Redemption, Bill makes it out, Javier makes it out, Dutch makes it out. Like, you knew those things going in. I wouldn't say they bloated it just to kill them off. I would say that those characters added a lot. Because I liked, I liked Sean's little, like, Irish quips, right? And the relationship between him and Karen. It was fun to watch those two bicker. And when I saw his death, I was like, dang, like, I'm not going to get any more of those. Did you mm-hmm. guys see that when they went in the tent and boinked? No! Yeah, they go in a tent and they boink. Oh, oh no, poor Karen. All, they're all very drunk. They totally had a thing for each other, and it was oh, really funny to that watch makes me them. Sad now. Yeah, that's sad. Anyway, I think that yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. So, I like, so I, oh, well, no. I, the Grace and Braithwaite. I also like we were talking about. I love those two characters. The I can't remember their name. I'm sorry because it's been 84 years or however long. It's been 84 but, uh, years. I wish you mean um the 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 boy and the girl. Yeah, yeah. So it's Penelope um, and ooh, what's his name? I just okay. finished this quest. I should know it, but I don't remember. I know because I just did a, the, I just did one of Penelope's because I I almost didn't do her last the last mission for those Bo. two before his name I, is Bo. Bo, that's Bo. right. And I really liked their story. I thought it was really cute. And I really liked Penelope as a character. I thought she was really progressive, and it was fun to see that in uh, that eighteen ninety nine. And same with Bo, but uh, I wish we would have seen a little bit more. I feel like if there was some content cut out of Red Dead 2, like, it could have been something expanding on them. Because I thought that they had a really fun story and chemistry, and then they leave, and then that's kind of it. You never hear from them again, which I guess is okay. But I would have liked to have seen more of them. I feel like there should have been more. Maybe I'm just... I feel like there was a long burn both of those houses to the ground. One of them, quite literally, right? So, like, Grandma Braithwaite kidnaps Jack, which was a pretty surprise turn of events for me that I'm like, how did they get Jack away from camp? Like, was nobody, like, looking after him? How did you let the Braithwaites get so close to camp? I mean, but they're supposed to have, like, a perimeter, like, around the camp, right? right? Like, a security thing? And it was like... I was like, okay, I guess it makes sense that, you know, they're gonna kidnap him. I was just like... Please, Rockstar, don't hurt the kid. Like, don't do anything to him. Like, well, you sure knew he's okay. Jack was fine too. Yeah, and obviously he was fine. Um, but like, um, I, I thought that that was a really fun moment—the first moment that like the whole gang is coming together, and you have that that epic cutscene where they're yeah. all like walking down that yeah, tree-lined road, mm-hmm. right? And they've all got their guns, and they're like. 
we're here to fuck shit up. You know, it's it was yeah, that really was cool. awesome. Yeah, I think and fuck shit up. With, we did when any of this stuff with Jack happens. I mean, granted, he's so young in this that I don't know, but it did make me wonder, like how this shapes him as a human being for the next games you know like oh is, is he like weird and quiet and reserved because he did spend some time with this italian mobster or like is it <laughs> is it a th- or are you or are yeah. you so young at that point that it's just you're a blank slate and, and you forget it you're a goldfish like you forget i don't know i'm not that up to speed on children's <laughs> development yeah yeah and i mean speaking of jack kind of going off a bit. I thought it was so fascinating when you run into Edgar Ross the first time when you're fishing. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, with Arthur. So, and Ed- so who is this guy? Edgar Ross is okay. So in Red Dead Redemption, Edgar Ross is the one that you're, that essentially kills John Marston. And after three years, not three years later, I don't know how many years later, three, I think about three years later, you are Jack Marston. That's how you, who you play in the epilogue. And then you get your revenge on Edgar Ross and you kill him. In a, in a very satisfying yeah it, it's very very shootout a uh, shootout it's very very satisfying and so when you see little jack and then you see edgar ross approaching him and there is this exchange like well i think edgar ross just says a few things to jack i was like oh shit sir that little kid's gonna fuck you up someday literally he's gonna kill you because you're gonna kill his dad and he's gonna be very very sad about it and mad and angry and he's gonna get his redemption and shoot you in the face yes. um i thought that was a pretty uh cool moment to see that yeah just it's knowing what would happen the way that they allowed those two characters to meet. Uh, uh, that was my first, like, holy shit moment. So he found him when he was fishing, and you find him when he's fishing, and you kill him Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. He's retired, trying he's to live retired. a good life. And you're like, no, motherfucker. We're gonna you're fucking, like, uh, suck it. Here's my God. gun. It's in your face. You're dead. That's that for good. killing my daddy. Yeah. So, like, they d- they actually did a lot of really interesting mirroring things in Red Dead Redemption 2 with other arcs, which we'll get to. Um, but I always, I think that's really clever, like, what they did with those. That was Yeah. It was very nice. Also, so that brings us to what? Oh, no, say Uncle dies at the end of Red Dead Redemption, if you didn't know. For those of you who are listening. He, uh, he's Rip. apparently, I don't, I didn't remember him at all. Uh, Simon and I were texting about this. I also this. don't remember him. We're like, it was, was so Uncle weird. in Red Dead Redemption? And then he was. I think he's there the whole game. And then he, he dies at the very end. He's uh, shot during the final shootout. But it's so. so funny. I was like, oh, that's bizarre to me that. He's gotten so lucky staying alive that long. Quite I know. Frankly. Of all people, a fucking uncle. The one who I feel like doesn't know his ass from the drunk whole ground. Drunk uncle. Like the literal definition of drunk uncle. Yeah. Um. So this brings us to Santini. Uh, the New Orleans knockoff town in this world where Jack has been kidnapped by the Braithwaite and given to this guy, Bronte, who is, as Steimer mentioned, an Italian mobster. Um, I had unexpectedly stumbled upon Santini before getting to this point in the story, and I was yeah. very clearly like, nope, I'm not supposed to be here yet. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I went there because I was like, it's got the nice tailor. I want to get some new clothes. <laughs> I know. Right. I was like, mm, the gunsmith, let's do this. Um, so of course there's, um, more side missions. You meet some new weird characters. This is where, and Santini is where I found the vampires. Did you guys ever I've find never the vampires? Found the vampires. I never found them. I've no. heard of them. People mentioned them in like other quests that I did, but I never found them. 
Yeah, so I was just out riding in the swamps, like um, trying to get alligator skins, I think, or something. Or maybe I was going on one of the side quests, uh, going to pick something up for somebody. And um, I had gotten off my horse to go like get closer to something. And then this this girl started screaming and then she started running at me and her face was all white and she had these crazy teeth and she was just like ah! and I was like oh my gosh what are you doing and then um there was like three more of them all trying to like kill me and I was oh, like no. this is these are definitely the vampires of Red Dead Redemption 2 um it was a uh, I, I think that's what makes Red Dead really special and why I think it deserves a lot of accolades is because those are special narrative moments that are unique to each individual's playthrough. I think they should be applauded, but also are a little bit infuriating because there are some moments that I've heard other people had that I got really kind of upset that I didn't get to have. And I part of me wishes that they weren't procedurally or randomly generated. I actually don't know how those narrative events spawn in the world. Like what is the tech behind that or how you get them to spawn. But I remember watching the Ku Klux Klan scene as John played through it through it and was like, oh, I can't wait to watch all the clan members burn. It's going to be such a fun scene because it's so funny and stupid. And then I never got it. It never, never spawned it for me. Oh, I, got I never that. saw it. Yeah, I think it just comes to right place, right time. And so... I Yeah, I understand because this is the kind of game, at least for me and probably for you ladies, we won't play this again because it's such a big game and we have things to do. It would have been cool to maybe been able to buy with obviously in-game currency like a tip sheet or something that would said like, hey, like at this time you should come here to see something kind of stupid or whatever. And you could have followed that. Or like the rumors are saying that the rumors are saying something like that because that was a hilarious scene. And I replayed that scene over and over again. I, I let them set themselves on fire. I shot them before you could do anything and then reading the notes on them. Oh, my God, it was so good. And I'm sad I didn't get the vampires because I remember when we were we were coming home from somewhere, Andrea, you, Simon, and I, and we were all pretty tipsy. And you're like, did you see the vampires in Red Dead? And John was like, whoa, spoilers. But I was like, no, that's cool. And I was looking forward to seeing the vampires, but I never even heard them anyone talk about it before. So I didn't even get close to that one. It would have been nice. but Yeah, outside outside of Saint-Denis in the swamps to like the northeast If you want to try to go find them, that's where they spawn for me um, in those weird shacks. There was also a shack where... I was out walking and this guy was on his porch and he like called out to me and he was like, hey, why don't you come over here? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to be an honorable person. Why don't I go over and say something nice? And then, of course, he like clubbed me on the face and like dragged me into his hut. And who knows what happened? I woke up like in the field like the next morning where you like without my clothes. Kidneys. Yeah, I was like, what the hell was that? And what's crazy is that there was something that happened to me in the very end of the game um, in the epilogue as I was playing um, in Blackwater. Uh, I got off my horse and I was walking over to the saloon and I heard this um, this um, like this woman and this man clearly like they were getting robbed or something was happening to them on the street. So I was like, oh, let me go over there and help them. And I had pulled my gun out. And by the time I got around the corner, the... Uh, the robber shot the wife and so I shot the robber 
And I walked over there and the the man is on the ground like weeping over the body of his wife. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was literally like just a few seconds too slow in getting over there to save them. And I was like, well, I had just booted up my game from not playing. I was like, oh, why don't I reload into the game and then I'll just rush right over there and I'll save them so I can save her. And so I did it. I booted up the game and I walked over there. They weren't there. That oh. that that instance didn't spawn the second time I loaded up my game. And it was it's fascinating because it's on one hand it's like oh it's really cool that they've made each experience unique and that you can't change the output of what happens just like in real life like shit happens and once it happens it happens there's no going back. But on the other hand I'm like I hate that that's the way the tech works. You know, like it makes me really angry because I'm like, no, I want to save her. Let me just fucking save her. She's dead, Andrea. She's dead. She Let was... her go. Yeah. That, well, that's... In, my, in the new instance, though, I took solace. Sorry, Brittany, just to finish no, no, this. No. Yeah. In the new instance, I took solace in the fact that she never was threatened at all in the new instance. She never had to go through that. So she's alive somewhere that's living. true. That's perfect. Best life. Yeah. yeah. No, I have nothing to add to that. That's awesome. Yeah. But so uh, we were talking about Saint Denis. Uh, The Pinkertons, of course, are back. And then um, this is kind of where Hosea kind of takes a little bit more of a step forward um, in the story. And I really like Hosea as a character. I think he's the glue that's clearly holding the gang together because Dutch is a little bit of a hothead. And while he's the mastermind behind all the movements the gang makes... Hosea is really the brains of the operation. And it's clear that Hosea is losing his influence with Dutch and that Dutch is at this point just really starting to go off the rails a little bit. And you start to question what Dutch's motives really are and why he's really keeping Hosea and Arthur who have been his like best buds for a long time at arm's length and why Micah fucking, fucking Micah, Micah. Um, fucking is Micah. becoming you know more influential and so this is really like chapter three to chapter four is really where the story turns and in hindsight and I've said this now and we've talked about it on, on the show before I wish I would have known to go around the open world and do all of the side quests and maybe go after the legendary animals and do more exploring before this point. Because from here, it's when shit really starts to get crazy. And then, of course, um, you know, Arthur gets sick. But before that, we've got fucking Gorma. Ah, yeah. Gorma. So... Now, this happens, I believe I have my timeline correct, right after Hosea and Lenny are killed. Yeah. Which, every- by the way, so fucking sad. The Hosea just said that really Lenny sad. is killed right after you do this amazing, fun, drunk mission. Dude, you guys, oh, do you yeah. remember that mission where you get wasted with Lenny? That yes, was such a Lenny. good mission. That was one of my favorite <laughs> parts. Of, and I wish for, I don't know if I mentioned him, I don't think I did, but I would have nominated him for Best NPC for our Game of the Words nomination because he was so fun and that mission was so great. And the way Hosea went out and died is so sad. I just rewatched this a couple hours ago and he knows he's going to be killed and he's kind of like looking at Dush and I feel like Arthur and the gang one last time and he's kind of like huddled over because he's really sick. And then he looks behind him to look at, uh, was it Milton that killed him? I don't know, one of those assholes killed him. And Milton, then, yeah, Milton kills him. Milton killed, yeah. And uh, then they just shoot him and he's on the ground and then he's dead. And I was like, God 
damn it. Like, that Hosea, he's so nice. And then they killed oh. Lenny, and I was like, God damn it. And then poor Lenny. Poor Lenny, like, oh. him like kill? flies. Yeah, Lenny didn't know. Did he, he never saw it coming. He was, oh. like, looking back on the guys at the rooftops, and then kaboom, there he goes. And, you know, Arthur's like, oh, they got Lenny in. Fucking Dutch. There's nothing we can do for him now. Blah, blah, blah. So, obviously. I mean, he also leaves John. Hmm. Dutch, sorry, oh, yeah. to, to clarify. This yeah. is where John gets essentially left behind. Yeah, the first um, time. <laughs> but the first Oh, poor John. He gets fucked over left, right, and center. Um, but at least he's not dead yet. Yeah. Right. He's not dead yet. So obviously they're all hiding out. And then, like you said, Andrew, I think this is when Micah starts to kind of like weasel his way in. Obviously, what we find out was after Guarma, he teams up with the Pinkertons to rat on everyone. But... Yeah, they get on the ferry and then, or the ferry or the boat, whatever the hell, it crash lands into Guarma. And I just feel like this whole part of the game was so unnecessary. It was kind of weird. I don't know why this was in the game. I honestly don't get it. I mean, unless you wanted, I, I don't know. I can't think of any story reason to put this in the game. I'm trying to do my Brit thing, it's, but I can't no, do it. You're, I love that you're trying to be positive I said about I can't it. do it. I can't. It's, it's just so superfluous like i just don't even know why so for just as like a refresher if you guys also finished the game a while ago a torrential storm sinks the ship the men wash ashore the isle of guarma where they they're supposed to be going to cuba war. to be clear yeah, yeah. So they're supposed to be going to cuba so there's a tyrannical sugar plantation owner and the enslaved local population the group successfully aids the revolution against the plantation owners and secures transport back to the united states and they reunite with the gang. So while you're on Guarma, it's like, whose side are you fighting for? Why do you even care? What's the whole point of it all? Mm-hmm. You're in the jungle. It's saving just, grace is that it was fairly short. But, I get, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it does. You're, you're both are correct in that. Like you're kind of just like what? Like you worked. Like I think what would have made more sense is if the ship had gone to another part of the continent. That they were on. And it's like, okay, we have to hold up here. We're far away enough. Let's start making our way back. And by that time, enough time will have passed. And then you kind of go through that land to get to where you're going. But to create this whole separate island with these characters that you'd never really hear from again, unless I forgot something, no. it just makes no no sense. It, I don't they know. They literally it, were just looking for a time has passed button. And that yeah. they decided to put it on this Isle of Forma. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because was, they just needed dumb. them to be far enough away. They needed a reason where they would be far away, unable to contact anybody else, and stay there for a prolonged period of time so that everybody else would think that they're dead. 100%. But that's, but that's all I needed. But yeah, and there were so many other realistic ways, I think, to do that, that this whole thing just seems so uh, so unrealistic. And granted, it's a video game, but... I feel like Red Dead tries to follow a realistic story. So this just was like, this is fucking weird. This is something you'd find in old western back in the day that probably didn't do very well like oh look at this grand adventure we're on no well i think the key takeaway from this plot point is that john marston is captured and is now imprisoned and you in the back of your mind are like well we have to go get him we've got to break him out it's john like he's a key member of the gang and so when you finally get back from from guarma um that of course is your number one priority is Arthur, but Dutch doesn't think he's worth saving. It's also, and this is really where Dutch goes down what I think is like the dark path. Yeah, it's the darkest timeline. But Dutch also mentions before um, 
I think he's on the rooftops or when they're holed up in the building waiting to get on the boat to Cuba. Dutch is like trying to plant in your head as Arthur that John's a rat. He was like, I don't know the, the way they took him, whatever. Someone needed to tip them off. They didn't kill him. Maybe it's because he's been working with them. And I think it's actually, it was really interesting even, you know, to kind of backtrack a little bit. They're, Arthur and John's relationship throughout the whole game is an interesting arc because the beginning, there's definitely jealousy there. Arthur is jealous of John and he's jealous of John because John is still a golden child, golden boy, even though at some point prior in their history as a group, as a gang, um, he left for like a year. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they say he was doing, but he just peaced out and then came back. Also in a journal. Come on back, boy. You're home now, and Arthur is not down for that. Also, in a journal entry that uh, I don't think this had anything to do with, because obviously he has his other woman, he does mention that he would have been interested in Abigail had John not come around. Mm. Also, can we talk for a second about the journal and how the game never prompts you to look at the journal literally fucking ever? And if you don't take the time to like, like physically go to the journal on your own... That, like, you just miss all of that content. Well, you it get a prompt that says new journal entry. Or that if you go to sleep, but then you wake up and it's like, you got a new journal entry, go read it. I, 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 must, be, I must be completely Did you ever sleep? oblivious. <laughs> I don't recall ever seeing that prompt on my screen at any point. I'm not uh, even shitting you. Oh. No, I definitely got them and I would go through and read them when it told me to. Uh, the only time I ever got prompted to do journal entries was when I was out exploring and I came up pl- across like a place where he wanted to do a sketch uh, of yeah, the no, place that I was oh, at. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, def- that sucks because I feel like the journal provides so much insight and in, especially Arthur as a character and how he's growing and changing. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Man, maybe I should go back and just read. Yeah, you Arthur's should actually. Journal. Yeah. There's a lot no, of good stuff in no, there. No, I'm not. I'm not oh, gonna, dang. I'm not going you're right. To, you're but... not going. You don't, you don't care enough. <laughs> Drat. Wah, wah. No man, I got I got um I got mythological creatures in Greece to go slay. <laughs> um but um we were talking about that this is the turning point for Dutch. The turning point for Dutch goes down the weird. And at this point, path. after Guarma, we know that Micah is working with the Pinkertons. We know that they have Molly and Micah. Wait, how do you know that we know Micah's working with the Pinkertons now? Oh, because we after don't, we don't know. You, at this point in time, no. you know... At the end. Uh, what the fuck is the word? Retroactively, I guess? Like Because uh, when you are saving Abigail and Sadie, um, Milton's like, yo, dog. It's Milton, been Micah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. Um, oh, God, I just forgot her name, even though I just said it. Molly. Molly. Yeah, she, she sweated a few times, but she didn't tell us anything, so we had to let her go. But Micah's been a very good boy, and we picked him up after you guys got out of the uh, Caribbean. Yeah. But obviously, you don't know that. Until, you don't know like, that at this time in until the, game, the very but you end. Know it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that this point in the story is when Molly, not Molly, sorry, Sadie, really starts to come into her own and become a much more I powerful fucking character. Love Sadie. Oh, she's, she's so good. One of my faves, and I'm so glad that she exists. Now, I've seen other critiques online saying that they think Sadie is a little too over the top and that she's too, like, women's lib and she's too, like, I'm going to shoot my own gun and take care of myself and wear pants all the time. And I'm like, no, I love that about her. I think it's badass that she's like, I'm going to be 
a better gunslinger than anybody else in this gang because yeah. I can be. Yep. I was talking to John about it and I was like, I would really love to see more of the dynamic between Sadie and her late husband and see really like what that home life was like because she's got a lot of spitfire and I love that about her. And I'm just in my mind during that time period, it was really frowned upon for women to have a voice And she clearly couldn't have remained silent. Nobody with that much fire inside them can just, like, be a docile, like, home wife, right? Well, she even said in a conversation that her and her husband split all the duties equally. Split the work, yeah. Right? Exactly. I loved her. And I loved that scene when Cuomo Driscoll is finally getting hanged. And he realizes that he's not going to be saved and because he thinks his boys are going to save him. And then he looks and he sees Sadie and Dutch in the crowd with his boys with the knives to their neck. And then he looks up and Arthur waves from the rooftop. And the he just wave was breathing. really cute. Oh, yeah. And he just starts like, holy shit. I thought that was such a good scene because you can just see the panic sink into his eyes. And then uh, he hangs. And then Sadie's like, you ruined my life. And then she cuts the neck and then she shoots the other guy. And everyone's like, holy shit. That was so good. Oh, my God. I loved her. I'm glad she survived. Yeah. yeah. Me, me too. Um, so this, of course, is at this moment uh, after they rescue John from the prison because um, Dutch is like, I'm not going after him. And I think that this is really where you get to see where how Dutch is kind of tur- starting to turn on his on his, the members of the gang that is supporting him um, where he refuses to go and get John because he's like, oh, the the. Attention's too hot. It's too risky. We can't do it. And then Sadie's like, fuck that. We're going to go get him. It's John. We have to go get him. You know, and Abigail wants to go too. And then Arthur's like, no, no, you stay here with Jack. Like, Jack can't lose two parents. Let me and Sadie go get him. They go and get him, of course. Um, And then. I say I love that hot air balloon part. Where you're scouting. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then the guy dies. And I think Arthur says, and then, I really like that fella or yeah, something. Yeah, he, was he like, said. damn it. I liked that guy. He was yeah, funny. Oh, uh, yeah, so it was cute. a bummer. We kind of alluded to it briefly, but we never really discussed Arthur's infliction. Oh, right. oh no, th- no, that's so that's what we're uh, I was just coming about up to get on that. To, I kind of forgot exactly where it. Yeah. So this is the, the point of this. St- this is the point of the story where. Um, you we get to where you had that random collapse, right? Like it just going to meet Sadie in a bar, and then instead, before you get there, you fall, right? And And then you have to get to a doctor, and then you discover that you're sick. And you're not just sick; you have a terminal disease called tuberculosis. My problem. (coughs) Raise your hand if you googled tuberculosis. I mean, I knew what tuberculosis (laughs) was, but I didn't realize. I mean, obviously, this was this was. A very long time I have, ago. I have a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. But I, I, I think I told you this, Brittany, too. And I was like, when, when they said he had tuberculosis, I was like, so what? Give him some medicine. Yeah, girl, it's 1899. In my mind, I'm thinking, isn't tuberculosis curable? And I'm like, fuck, I guess it's not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously, so before this happens, there is a scene where you see Arthur coughing. And... Yeah. I think we've all played enough games where, like, you don't really see stuff in games like that in a cutscene unless it serves a purpose. And so that kind of, like, raised my red flag a little bit. But I didn't think too much of it. And I didn't think about it, actually, until you see him collapse and then he's diagnosed with TB. And then I Google it. And I'm like, oh. But the problem I had with this is when you look at diseases in your menu, it says something along the lines of diseases are difficult to treat. 
And I'm like, okay, so maybe this is something. I, I didn't know that this was a terminal disease that was ultimately going to kill me. And I feel like if they had removed that diseases are difficult to treat thing and it was just like mentioned in the story in the cutscenes that you have TB, it would have been I would have thought like, OK, this is something that is going to kill me in the end. I Because I, I always struggled like, is this something I'm going to be able to cure as I progress in the story? Or is this something that is just totally going to fucking kill me? No. So the well, minute- and there's that one moment with the tribe where they hint at a cure. Yeah. For he it. And then you're like, cure. Oh. he says, I can help you basically like manage it, which is not the same thing as a cure. It's, it's hinted. No, I think it's hinted a little bit at the beginning. Like this could be a fix. And then the more he talks, the more he explains, it's like, oh, this is not going to be a fix. So the minute that you fall down in the in the streets of Saint-Denis and you get dragged to the doctor and he's like, it ain't good. That's the moment when I knew immediately Arthur is dead and I'm going to play as John after this. I just I was like, OK, because and I knew that only because I had played Red Dead Redemption. And that was kind of the whole shtick, right? Like you play through John, uh, play through as John the whole game and then you fucking die. And then your son picks up the mantle and you play as Jack. So see, I, that's, I that's the first time I had I, I was like, oh, I think that's where this is going. It's because you're so damn smart, Simer. But for me, I feel like the disease was almost game gamified. Because it was in, like, your status section. It said you have TB, which makes me feel like there could be other diseases in that section that maybe I would contract <laughs> later. I, d- I didn't think, like, it was some... I don't know. That no, was the I problem knew. I had. I didn't know. I was like, this looks like something that you could get cured. It says diseases are hard to treat. I'm like, maybe I'll be able to treat it. But no. Nay. Fucking- so this is the turning point that, to me, really negatively impacted my gameplay experience. And it's not lost on me that... Rockstar is clearly trying to say something by impacting a lot of the gameplay systems by making you terminally ill. I think clearly they're trying to drive home this overall narrative message of terminal illness affects everything in your life and will forever affect everything in your life in a negative way. But from a gameplay perspective, that fucking sucks, man. Yeah. That's not fun. And the, uh, video games are not supposed to be dreary, sad, depressing experiences. Wow. And unless they're unless specifically designed to be a piece of art that says that thing. And like in Red Dead Redemption, I was just like, in Red Dead Redemption 2, I was just like, why did you do this to me? Or if, if not the very least, why couldn't I gotten at least some kind of subtle hint from one of the characters or something narratively that was like, hey, maybe before you go and rescue John, we should take care of some of those other things, those other things you got, those other obligations. Somebody somewhere along the line giving but me some kind of But how the hell would they know you had hint. tuberculosis? They no, don't. it's not. It's not a, I no, know what you're saying, Steiner. Andrea. I'm talking about figuring out some kind of gameplay mechanic to indicate to the player that a dramatic narrative event is going to happen. Listen, Bioware does it in fucking all of their games, right? Like, they figure out a way to tell you, yo, shit's going to go down when you do this mission. You maybe want to go finish your other stuff first before you go do this mission. Other games have done it too. And I think that's the thing that really frustrated me because from there on out, once, once Arthur is sick, it fundamentally changes the gameplay because you start to lose weight, which affects your stamina and your health. You can't get the same benefits from the food and the drinks that you buy and that you use, both in combat and the open world. That overall affects the gameplay experience to me in an incredibly negative way that impacted me 
so much that it makes me not like that choice, even though narratively, I think it provides some really interesting ideas to the overall arc of not only Arthur, but the other characters around him. I just got so upset that that one choice had to impact gameplay in such a realistic way. Yeah, and I think that's the part that I I struggle. I think this is my biggest complaint with this game is, again, it felt so gamified that you couldn't even eat food without getting sick. And I feel like there was another... Steinberg is just too smart for all of us. She knew. As soon as he was diagnosed with TB. I mean, maybe even Andrea knew. I'm not trying to discount your intelligence, Andrea. But again, I thought it was like a game thing. And I feel like the way to convey that this is something that's going to kill you... Would have been, like you said, he said, it's not good, but maybe you have X amount of months left. There's no cure. I'm sorry. But then don't impact the gameplay because how many people know that just because you have TB, you can't eat certain food and you, I don't know. It just seemed kind of out of touch and that sucked. And I was very upset about it. It wasn't until like toward the very end where he starts going fucking pale and you see all his veins and shit. Then I'm like, okay, he's actually going to die and from this. And he's coughing all the time. And I'm just trying to get my dead eye core back up by smoking some cigarettes. And then you <laughs> smoke the cigarettes. cigarettes and you have like, a degenerative <laughs> lung disease. Go ahead and smoke a pack. Well, listen, it's either that or I get drunk before I go into a fight. It's just like both are bad for you when you're terminally ill. I just I think that <laughs> the pro- and this comes back to one of the major issues I had with this game. Despite the brilliant strokes of genius that are in the game making that is Red Dead Redemption 2, I think they committed so hard to the realism of only certain specific aspects of the game and not others. And then they committed so hard that they got in the way of their own ego that they took the fun out for players because there's a lot of photorealism in this game, not just from a graphical perspective, but like from the mechanical perspective, right? If you think about the way the guns fire, the way the horse trots, the way the carriages work, like a lot of the actual like like nuts and bolts of the game feel like they're based in this idea of it being more simulator than than fantasy, right? Us talking in the last segment about the difference in the horse butts between Assassin's Creed and Red Dead. Getting in and out of the saddle in Red Dead is one of the most authentic feeling experiences I've ever had in a video game. The weight of it, the grit of it, the sound of it. I almost feel like I can smell the leather of the saddle. They've done such a great job of projecting the realism of that. But at the cost is that I still live in a world where I can take a a potion literally called Miracle Tonic where it fills up my health and my stamina and this weird, magical, supernatural ability I have to slow down time and headshot four guys in a row. But then, because I'm sick with tuberculosis, I can't eat an apple and have it fill my health all the way. And I'm like, there's a dissonance here that takes that kind of sucks the fun of the experience right out. And I don't know how to I don't know how to grapple with that. Yeah, I think Arthur getting sick narratively makes sense. I don't agree with the impact to gameplay that that introduced. And I think that's kind of for me personally where it comes to. And as for all the realism, it's kind of hard. I think everyone has a certain threshold because we all know we're playing a video game. You can get shot multiple times and walk away and it's fine and we accept that. But there are certain things that I think when you see in Rockstar... And this Rockstar game where certain things are so realistic, 
we're like, oh, that's really realistic. And it kind of like piques your interest because you're focusing on it. But then other things happen that aren't realistic and you don't think about it because you're so used to it. I think it's just kind of trying to tune your meter, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it's funny because... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steimer. No, it's okay. Um, I I find it interesting that you guys struggled with it so much. I mean, I definitely got sick a few times. I was like, oh, that's annoying. But for the most part, I didn't mind. And I actually thought it was really an interesting choice to try and, and get through. I Obviously, I, I think there's a few... There's several things in the game where I would have maybe tweaked the execution of it. But I think overall... I just I just kind of wrote some notes down of like how I felt emotionally about the game in general. And I think Red Dead Redemption, both of them are just about essentially they are the tragedy of human nature in general. And part of the tragedy of human nature is we're fragile. We're all extremely fragile. We die fairly easily. We're flesh um, bags. What? <laughs> we're flesh bags. We are flesh bags. And especially in this time, we die very easily. We, we die a little bit less easily now, but <laughs> we're, we have a little bit more fortitude. But um, so I, I just thought it was interesting the way they and like, yeah, it's it's upsetting. And it's upsetting to see him, especially when you when he starts to look it when he when his face gets fainty. And that's you, the most upsetting because I love the customization of the clothing and I hate that I look so pretty in my clothes, but then Arthur looks so fucking bad. <laughs> He's sick, Andrea. He's all gone. He's got weird patches on his face. His eyes are all bloodshot. That's when I'm I like, started oh, growing God. a full beard. I was like, you know what? You can have the beard because my you God. You have the beard? Like, Seriously, it covers up his face. Yeah. I mean, I feel so bad, but like, and, but that, I mean, I think they, they had to do it in that sense in order for this to make any sort of narrative or emotional impact. Because if he was just running around doing the same shit, you wouldn't feel it when he starts to make the choices that he does because he's feeling his mortality. And you wouldn't believe him when he's starting to be like, you know what? I don't know that I've lived a good life. I don't know that I I don't know that I chose correctly. Mm -hmm. You're so right, Steimer. I I 100% agree that in order for them to make it impactful, they had to do it. This is why I just wanted some kind of indicator that this major event was was going to to fundamentally change the way the entire game plays because I would have gone to do a lot of those other side quests before Arthur gets like dramatically ill and then can no longer perform to the same level that he was performing to before. And also, like, visually, it's going to be different. He's going to be coughing all the time. Like, the way he interacts with people is going to be different. That's, I think that's, like, my one, like, if Rockstar could do something differently, like, I mean, obviously, there's more things. But um, if I could pick, like, one thing for them to change, it would be that. And that's why I tell people now, without trying to spoil it, I just say, hey, like, something big fucking happens in the game that's going to change the way the game plays. So do all your side quests early. Like, as often as you can before you get to chapter four or three. Really, before chapter three, I would recommend doing as much as you can. But once you get to Saint-Denis, like, don't finish the Saint-Denis quest lines before you <laughs> before you do everything. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on this because, you know, we have a, a lot more to go. A lot more to yes. go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, Arthur gets sick. Um, and it's going to affect the rest of the game. And... Then this is where um, we go to, where am I at here? 
Um, is this where the... This is where the Native American tribe really comes into play. Yeah. So you have some quest lines with Rains Falls and Eagle, Eagle Flies. Flies. Um, two of the members of the tribe that's in the game. Of course, Charles is a Native American member of the gang. And you, he is a key member of these quest lines. And he's also one of my uh, favorites. He and Sadie were my I favorites. I love Charles. So yeah, I was super wonderful. stoked that they actually <laughs> made it to the end. I was like, yeah, thank exactly. God. <laughs> so I was I actually like, uh, I also texted this to you, Brent. I was like, it's incredible to me that like the, the last trio writing in on essentially the last real mission is a woman a black slash african or black slash native, native american, american and then you is well then your white boy john marston but like yeah i was like that's cool that they have like a this 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 these are the people i wanted really at the end with me so i'm glad that it was them yeah Anyway, sorry. That was yeah, a quick it, interlude, I think but. the whole storyline is great. I think it reminds people who have conveniently forgot how America came to be. And I like that we live in an era where many states have chosen to no longer celebrate Columbus Day because of what that represents. And to remember that the Native Americans that were here, like, were here before the United States was a country. And it's really easy to forget because I remember growing up and being told a very different version of history. I, I don't think that I was ever lied to in the schools that I went to, but I think a lot was conveniently left out. Mm, sure. um, and not to say that, you know, like I'm not a teacher, I'm not an educator. I don't know when is the right time to tell kids about like the grotesque things that happened to make the United States become the country that it is today. But I think it's important and great that a company like Rockstar is like, hey, you know what? We're not going to shy away from this. We're going to lean in and talk about it. And it's obviously not as – I don't want to overstate it, right? Like It's not like they're making some big, huge social statement on Native American culture and its place in United States history. But my point here is that I'm glad that they included it. Yes. And I also think it's interesting how – I mean, they not only included it as like a – as you guys being observers from the gang, Dutch, then of course, motherfucking Dutch, yep. uh, fucking has Dutch to, has to get his hand in the pot, right? Just can't leave it alone. He has I think to create noise. He has to create noise. So not only are the poor Native Americans being dicked around by the United States government, now they got Dutch Vanderland coming over and trying to use them for his own. As a distraction, basically, in order to try and buy the gang some time, theoretically. Again, I think Dutch is fucking bonkers. But um, that's the quote-unquote plan is we will make the government continue to fight the Native Americans and then we'll We'll slip away because they'll be distracted. Which is garbage and I hate you, Dutch. I kind of had that holy holy shit moment when we're killing members of the U.S. Army. I'm like... That's that's a lot. Yeah. Where these outlaws. Not only that, he's, on the- you know, he's just he's basically riding a frenzied horse and kicking it. Right. He's just like, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, no, <laughs> stop. Calm the horse down. It's like, Jesus. So I felt I felt so bad for Rain's Fall and like. Just watching. Wait. Yes, that's the that's the chief one. Um Yeah. And, the sun is eagle flies. And the sun is eagle flies. And like go, going through the whole story where uh, 
you know, he 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 loses the one thing he didn't want to lose, which is his son. And it's just it's fucking heartbreaking, heartbreaking. to see that yeah, it's like and it's like for what this it, is I think the the that whole storyline with Rains Falls is really where I started to hate Dutch as a character. Yes. Because I think in the beginning I kind of was on board for his swagger and his He's a ability dude. to kind of like throw his weight around and be like, I'm the leader of this gang and it's a gang and we're going to commit these crimes and we're badass. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And then it was when he started to like portray this false sense of superiority because like there was certainly hints in Dutch's arc at the beginning of him having a code, right? Having some kind of weird morality that they all adhered to and they would do things that were illegal but not bad things to to, to good people. They would mm-hmm. only do bad things to bad people or they to would the Robin Hood or, kind of, but not kind of just for yeah, like a weird version of Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. And this is the moment where I was like, you know what? Fuck you. You're a <laughs> badass dude. And I don't mean badass and cool. I mean like bad as in like, like rotten, rotten to, to the, the core. core. Yeah. Yes. See, we were thinking of the same thing. Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, like, but I think it was sad. This kind of, I again, like the notes that the general themes um, that I've kind of like pulled away from this and this is one of those arcs that really showcases it. Is just how we are tragically driven more by emotion than anything else. Logic does not drive us as humans. Emotion does. And that's why Eagle Flies does what he does. And it's why he ultimately dies. Um, and it, it's why Arthur dies in a, in a way. Um, and it's why John dies. And it's like why most of these fucking people die. And you're just like, ah! Could you all just not? Could you sit down? Could you read a book? Could you have some tea? <laughs> just chill for a second. Read a book and what? <laughs> <laughs> like it's because uh, I'll and I have further notes, but we'll get there in a minute because we're we're still there. But I think that this is this is definitely one of those things where like that's exactly what's happening here, and there's really nothing anyone can do. And there's even a point where you as John or no, sorry, you as Arthur are talking to Eagle Flies before he's dying as he's dying. And you're like, I'm sorry, I believe I believe like Dutch manipulated you. And he says, we're all grown men here. No one told us to do anything. We all made these choices on our own. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you did. You it's weird to be like, yes, I am irrationally i am acting irrationally in a way but still have self-awareness of what i'm doing and know that even though this is purely rage driven and probably futile i'm doing it like i'm just making this choice to essentially die for what i believe is a cause but ultimately is not quite a cause and that's it's one of those things where i'm like can't relate I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to ever feel something that that strongly to be like, I want to die for that. Mm. I don't know that I ever will. I hope I don't. (laughs) I really don't want to go out that way. I think the whole idea of, 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 of conflict and battle and wartime in that era was so different than it is today because we just inherently don't have those face-to-face physical 
conflicts in the same way that they did back then, right? Like if you have a fight or a dispute with your neighbor, you usually settle it in court or through the police or through some other kind of mediator. It's not like you're bringing your shotgun over to your neighbor's house and being like, get your dog off my lawn. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's it's just a different, it's a different time and a different uh, stake, I think, in human life. And I think we just as a society are more enlightened in what human life, the value of human life is than they were then. I don't want to say that we as a species have lost honor overall, but I kind of feel like we have in a certain way. I feel like a lot of it is like the stakes just seem much lower now than they were before because we feel that we can be a little bit more invincible in a certain way, if that makes sense. Like I think about, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down a deep philosophical road right now because we're rubbing my beard. You got me thinking. We have a little bit more to discuss here, but I I think what's great about something like what you said, Steimer, is that it makes you think about where we're at today. And like, I don't have things in my immediate life that I would put my life on the line for outside of, you know, my family, right? You know, and my close friends. But like, I don't think that there will ever be a situation where I'm going to be forced to put my life on the line for you, Right. Right. Like, I don't think that somebody's going to start a war or a battle or bring a gun somewhere where I'm going to have to like put my life out there at risk. And that's not something that we here in the United States have to deal with. Now, I'm not speaking for people in other countries that live in different situations than than I have. I'm just speaking mu- purely from my own. And that's way different than it was even 200 years ago, right? Like my chances of dying were much higher. <laughs> two, yeah. two centuries ago than they are today. Yeah, I think there was even um, a losing of, I fucking forget which part of the game it was, but a ba- basically like, you're just at home at the wrong time. Oh, when Arthur finally reveals he had a son. Oh. And he's writing right. with, he's writing with uh, Rainsfall and he's talking about, you know, I had a son and I, and the lady who had, he basically knocked up a, a bar woman and they he used to go visit them and he had a relationship with her and his son and one day people came robbing and just killed the both of them for no for for nothing like they didn't have any yeah. money so i think that that's kind of a an, an, another additional illustration of that that living in that time period it was people you didn't died and no long. one really cared you didn't yeah. no one was like oh someone was just killed randomly sad day like that was it but got yeah Sorry to go back to Arthur. Yeah. So, how do you ladies feel about that um, family? That that the the you know the news that he had a son and he had a, a woman before. What's your butt? Oh my god! Can we talk about what's her butt for a minute? Yeah. What's her butt? What is her name? <laughs> is it Mary Beth or something? No, Mary Beth is one of the no, people not on Mary the Beth, camp, but her she? name was Mary or some shit. It has it was in the M. Mary? Wasn't it just Mary? I don't fucking remember. She was dumb. I did not like her at all. I really wanted Arthur yeah, and Sadie to Mary. get together. Her name's Mary Linton, and she sucks. Mary Linton. Yeah, I that's hated her name. Mary Linton. Mary Linton, go away. Stop asking um, your ex-boyfriend for favors. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, quite frankly, did not remember the conversation about Arthur's woman that he knocked up and him having a son. Gotta be oh. totally honest. All right. Did not remember enough. that happened. Okay. Did not remember Arthur had a kid that got murdered. Did not know. This is news to me, you guys. Bring <laughs> there it up you go. Right now. Well, he did. Um, <laughs> um, but 
Mary's storyline, I was kind of holding out hope in the back of my mind that Arthur would take her up and, you know, go meet her eventually. And the final scene with John and Abigail in the boat at the very end, I thought was Arthur and Mary. I just, I think I must have been either like distracted or drunk or both when John was playing <laughs> through that scene. Cause I remember looking over and seeing him propose. And I was like, oh, that's cute. In the end of the game, Arthur finally proposes to Mary. And John's Arthur's like, dead. No. Oh. Yeah. And John's like, no, that's no. No. That's, not- no. <laughs> that's what a happy I- ending. I know. That's oh. what we wanted. To- or- I wanted to be in that timeline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If only. <laughs> Um, to, I was like, maybe it's a dream sequence. And John's like, no, 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 um, no. That's John Marson wearing Arthur's hat. <laughs> Arthur. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, so go to Arthur. So the woman was, yeah, a young waitress named Eliza. And she was pregnant with her son, Isaac. She knew who he was, but he accepted whatever... But accepted whatever support Arthur offered to her and their son. Arthur would visit Eliza and Isaac every few months and stay with them for days at a time. One day, Arthur arrived at their home and saw two crosses outside and knew immediately that they were both dead and later learned that they were both killed by robbers, all for $10. The incident hardened Arthur ever since, and he never truly coped with the pain. And, like, that's the the fact that the first time he really matches it is with um, Rains Falls, and that's, fuck, like, almost, the game's almost over at that point. Yeah. Like, that, I think, illustrates that, too. Just, like, this guy's had a weird, weird life. And he never copes with any of that which is hard for a human to go through but yeah back to mary she what i was hoping would happen is that arthur would be like listen you're too for me i'm gonna go bang sadie and we're gonna go have an awesome romantic relationship because i think those two would be hilarious together they'd be great never happened instead mary breaks arthur's heart or i guess she he broke her heart too and then she sends this ring back and that's what john uses to propose to abigail and all of the feelings so tragic. Oh. I also really hated the way she said Arthur. I'm just going to be real. Oh, Arthur. Uh, Arthur. And I'm like, I hate, I just stopped talking. She said, oh, too much. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh. I just didn't see her and Arthur being compatible, which made that relationship really hard to yeah. believe. I yeah. Agree. I, I didn't, don't know. I didn't quite buy it. I could, I definitely could see him having a, a love that wouldn't work out for similar reasons. But it was just something about her personality and the way she spoke and the way she was where I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see. How did you, how? I don't know. Oh, just, Maybe it was it just. makes sense. Definitely an opposites attract situation, but. Yeah, a purposely flawed relationship where it was never going to work. But still, I think it would have been fun to have a explored something else that would have been a little more entertaining. It would have been nice for Arthur to like have something nice in his fucking life. Jesus that day i know poor man so tragic oh yeah um so this is getting a little on the long side so i think we're gonna have to kind of like speed our way to Let's go the to the end because the end the is the most important part so <laughs> let me just like quickly recap what we're gonna speed over of course we've got um the gang um collapsing um arthur heads back to camp to confront bell um talking about bell Micah, Micah Bell. Micah Bell. Yeah. Tells the women to leave for safety, bidding them farewell. The gang collapses on Arthur when John returned to camp, openly accusing Micah and Dutch of betrayal. Dutch Williamson and um, so Dutch, 
Bill and Javier and Micah turn on John and Arthur when the Pinkertons arrive, but all manage to flee into the wilderness. Arthur accepts his fate and either buys John time to escape by confronting the Pinkertons or heads back to camp to retrieve Dutch, Dutch's money stash. So this is like the very, very final end of the game. You missed one um, part, and the only reason I'm going to bring it up is because okay. it comes into play later, and that is the, in between those things, but in between the Native Americans and this, um, there was a final quote-unquote train heist supposed to go down. And yes. the train heist, during the train heist, John gets shot and essentially left for dead. So he, right. he gets shot. And Dutch you is like, Arthur. I'm going to go back for John. Dutch <laughs> says, I'm going to go back for John. Comes back later to the camp right before the Pinkertons get there and says, John's dead. He he didn't make it. Lying um, liar. Which is a bold-faced lie. <laughs> yeah. So they all run into town. And then there's just one moment that was really emotional for me. And I even teared up a little bit watching it again today. It was when they all come back after the failed heist or the heist in general and Tilly and Jack are on their horse and they're like, oh my God, Abigail's gone. And Dutch is hemming and hawing. Do we go after her? Do we go after her? And Mike is like, she's just a girl. It's not worth it. And Dutch is like, no, yeah, you're right, Mike. It's not worth it. And Martian's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, sorry, LOL. They write off. And then it's just Sadie and Arthur. And Arthur then gives... Tilly all of this money and he's like you live a good life and blah 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 and she's like thank you and she says I'll I'll miss and then he goes me too sweetheart and then off they go and oh my god it is just so sad Something is that your most that- emotionally devastating moment that you couldn't talk about no in our what's good game awards <laughs> no I think that was still Arthur Morgan dying for me yeah but um yeah. there is that and then obviously when Arthur is confronting everyone Susan gets shot by Micah and then she dies and rides on oh, the ground. Oh, that was Miss Pearson. I was, was it Miss Pearson? No. What's her name? Miss Pearson shoots Molly. M- yeah. No, yeah. And then, so it is and then she also dies later. Micah right? shoots her. Yeah. yeah Michael I was just her. like, I, that fucking, like, I was so sad. I was like, she didn't deserve to get shot like that. Fucking Micah. I know. Cause she was distracted because <sighs> someone's running up. It's like, oh, the Pinkertons are coming. And then she looks and then he shoots her in the gut. And yep. then she just like suffers. And then Dutch does not say a goddamn word at all after that happens. He doesn't even acknowledge it. And before she was the glue, you know, that kept everything functioning. Like, hey, you yep. clean this up, get to work. Oh, my God. All of the, the camp every time unhinged. Dutch wants to move everybody. And- yeah, it was her job. And that fucking asshole. Um, also, one other death that really fucked me up was Kieran Duffy. When the O'Driscolls Ooh, get him. When they sent back on his head. They send him back on the horse. He's holding his head. He's beheaded, but his hands are holding his head and it's his so eyes are gauged gross. out. And then he just trots up. Oh, Blech. God. Anyway. Disgusting. That's Anyways. all. Yes. No. I. Yeah. There were a lot of very unsettling deaths in this game. Oh, no. no um, Miss Grimshaw. Susan Grimshaw. You Grimshaw. Guys, Pearson. That's her name. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Pearson's the butcher. Pearson's the, Pearson's the butcher. Yeah. Yeah, he opens up his own little shop later on. Good for him. I know, but that it was so weird. I was like, why would you put a picture of you with like America's most wanted essentially? Because they're up all in your dead. Shop? It doesn't matter. They're not all dead. Oh, they're looking for them. Boys. But anyways, um, so I want to talk about the ending ending. And I know yeah. Andrea, you'd said um that you hadn't necessarily watched because there are technically multiple endings here. Yeah. Yes. So we get to the we get to the end, right? So you go through this fight. Um, you're with Marston, and you get to make the big choice at the end. Do you go back for Dutch's money, or do you help John escape? 
I think that there's universally only one right choice here, and it's to help John escape. Yes. Did either of you pick something else? No. Oh, no. Like, with everything that happens with Arthur's arc, and, like, in the show notes, I wrote down um, some some things from... So, thegamer.com did an article called 25 Plot Holes in, on Red Dead Redemption 2, and they wrote that narratively, there's no, there's simply no realistic way that Arthur would have had low honor at the end of the game. He's actively giving away money. And the reason that they say that, they say during the final mission, Arthur will have the choice between helping John escape and doing and going back for Dutch's money. And they say just contextually, which choice do you think Arthur would make? Would he help John, a character who he has spent all game helping, escape and fight for a better life? Or would he go back to find money that he never once in the entire game made an explicit mention of desiring? Yeah. I think that that's like a really like hits the nail on the head and like, of course, help John escape. I don't know. But I mean, I feel like that choice didn't need to be there. I don't know why it was there. It um, was dumb. Yeah. But agreed. I, yeah. I think it was just in case you were trying, because obviously this game is called Red Dead Redemption. So of course it's going to push Arthur Morgan having redemption and trying to become a better person. But if you did play the entirety of the game, an asshole, then maybe like that gave you your asshole you know, option out. Although if you watch that ending, you know, he still gives John his, I think is his rifle and he gives him his hat and he's like, basically good luck, man. And then he goes back. So it's not even that bad of an ending if you are playing as low honor. So like, I understand what they're saying is that there's not really a, an, like a dick, dick, dicky option. I think think what would have made more sense is if, if Arthur had said, you know what, I'm going to go back for the money to find it and, and give it to you, John. Like, I'm going to do this for you in some weird way. But instead, he's just like, I got to go back for the money. And you're like, why? You're going to get killed or or you're going to die of tuberculosis in the cave. Like so, some way you're dying. Someone and so had, like no yeah. one's getting this money or are you just trying to make sure that they don't get it? Like it was it, I think they needed to clarify the motivation a little bit more behind so it. So I was reading about this. And I saw a few comments and I don't, I can't speak for myself, but he, the theory was that he was going to get the money to try to go to California to cure his TB, which obviously by this point we know he's like on his way out. And I think he knows that too, which is why I kind of struggle accepting that. But I think that was the thought. I don't, I appreciate the internet had that thought, but I say you're dumb. Yeah. I don't, (laughs) I don't think no. Anyways. Um, but when you go the correct route <laughs> and you help John uh, escape, got this, the whole thing, like, just super fucked me up. Um, and so basically the only two alternate endings here, you still die. Um, but if you are high honor, you get to die the death Arthur talks about, where he's like, basically, like, just sit me down and point me west. Watch and, the like, sunrise. Watch the sunrise. Uh, although, yes, that's correct. I'm sorry, I was like, wait, is this? Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you don't and you're very low honor, fucking Micah kills you. Like, that's how you go out. Um, in the head. Shoots you in the shoots head. You in the head. <gasps> oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't get that. So, did you. So, in your ending. Um, I got the Dutch, good ending. So, Dutch shows up, right? Yes, so you're he shows fighting up on Micah both. on this mountaintop. So, John escapes. 
Yes. You fight off the the all of the agents that are coming in. You shoot a bunch of people who are just trying to do their job. Um, and you help John escape. Yep. And then Micah comes up the mountaintop and you get into like a fist fight with him. Yes. And in that fist fight, you eventually pull out your gun and then your gun gets kicked away. And then you're crawling, like beaten up, and Micah's taunting and you, like, you're never gonna get there. You're like, heavy I'm gonna breathing. come for you. And he's like, fucking saying all this bullshit. And then you get to your gun, you grab it, and then Dutch comes in and puts his foot on your hand mm-hmm. as you're picking up the gun. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, Dutch really true shows his true colors as a villain versus a hero in this story or a leader. And at the end of it all, like, I, for a half a second, I thought that Dutch was going to shoot Micah. Uh. And then he doesn't. And then Micah runs away and Dutch runs away. And your Arthur is just there by yeah. himself on the so, mountaintop about to die. Also, I don't know if we said the sun rises in, in the west. It is not. It is the east. That's, anyway, so was, yeah. that's the part that I had paused at. I was like, is that correct? Because I was like, I, I was thinking directionally. I'm like, I don't think it says it rises <laughs> yeah. in the west. It rises so in the east. So low honor plays out the same way, except for Dutch leaves. And then Micah, instead of turning around and leaving, he comes back to Arthur and he says some stuff. I think he says, damn you. And Arthur says, damn us all. And then he shoots him in the head. And then he obviously ties. And then it turns to the um, Unshaken song starts playing. But instead of seeing the buck, you see a wolf. And the wolf retreats into a cave. And that's if only if you have low honor. Mm, if you have low honor, the wolf is your symbol I think yeah. it's, it's to symbolize like you are just a lone wolf in this also, area. I want to know where does Dutch go? Because he turns around and he walks toward Up where Arthur mountain. ultimate. Yeah, he he like walks toward where Arthur dies. And then I came back as I was playing as Marston and revisited that area. And the only thing I saw there was an eagle. I was hoping for like something. But there's like no other way off of that mountain. So I'm I'm kind of curious, like what that was video him? game magic for you. One, of, also yeah, wearing... one of many suspensions uh, of disbelief, yeah. to believe that it's not wearing rock climbing shoes. Dead. Okay, He's so anyway, slippery shoes. This happens. I was a blubbering mess because "Unshaken" is such an emotional song, and it plays after you get off of Guarda and you're coming back to your camp to find everyone gone. And then I was just like, oh, no, they fucking killed him. I mean, I knew they were going to, but just seeing him take that last breath or exhaling finally. And then the song, like, really kicks in and it's like, no. And they fucking kick you right to Marston. And I was not ready. I needed, like, a mourning period. Thank you. I feel like they fucking glossed over Arthur's death in the most grotesque way. I'm like, here is the hero of this story. He's literally on a redemption narrative arc, and he has this death that feels so brief. It's like they don't spend enough time building to it, and then after it, they don't spend enough time letting it like sit with you and resonate with you as a player. They immediately dump you into the fucking epilogue which by the way we're gonna talk about how much i hate this fucking epilogue um and then i'm just like no this is my guy i've been building this character this entire game and i knew that he was gonna die the moment he got tuberculosis i knew that it was the end of arthur at some point but then that end comes and i wanted it to have more narrative and gameplay impact than it did i was so disappointed in how they handled it i was not but I think that's because, again, I knew what was happening. And also, I fucking love John. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, my baby boy, John. John is back to me. I am so grateful to have him again. Thank you, Rockstar. You have blessed me. 
but (laughs) but in like the worst possible way because then of course you know how john ends too so it's not it's like a very weird tragic brief reunion with someone before they go off to die there's nothing to look forward to when you're playing that because you know it's all gonna happen it's so upsetting and then so like there's and there's so many small things so basically the epilogue which uh is fairly long and i think again if you didn't play red dead was way too fucking long rockstar if you didn't play red dead redemption i liked it will not have nearly the emotional impact on you that it will if you did. Because if you did, you have, number one, that connection to John Marston that is much deeper than if you've played just Red Dead Redemption 2. Because that's not what Red Dead Redemption 2 was trying to do, right? It's building you with Arthur Morgan. So you to get John back and... First off, I love how different their bodies are. This is a minor thing, but I really liked how like kind of scrawny he is. And like, he's definitely not Arthur. Arthur's built like a tank. And, and I, I like liked looking in the menu. It's like, his weight's perfect. I'm like, is it? <laughs> he's a little scrawny. Um, but so you play through as John and Abigail trying to build this life that Arthur basically sacrificed his life. So John and Abigail could go off and find happiness and not live this way anymore obviously john and abigail even throughout red dead redemption have fights about um john's behavior because john keeps relapsing sort of back into his old habits of gunslinger days and she's like no man you gotta cut that shit out like (laughs) which she's not wrong um Mm -hmm. i think basically you just kind of go through the whole thing where you where you it shows you how you come to Beecher's Hope. It shows you how you get your farm. It shows you how Uncle comes to be there. Charles comes um, and helps you for a while. And this was the part that I... I honestly was just sitting there crying because you are building your grave. That's what's happening. And it's like... It's just deeply upsetting. Especially... You build the house and like that's where your last memories will be. And then Charles builds this barn, which is where you die. And a lot of the times when you're doing these missions, it spawns you up on the top of your hill. And that's where your grave is. Like you are standing there on your gravesite, and your wife's going to be there next to you eventually. And it's just fucking sad. Like the whole thing is sad. And like, it makes me tear up thinking about it right now because all you want is happiness for these fucking people and they can't seem to get it. it. And this was so, okay, so the emotional uh, drama of not, like, people being emotionally driven and not logically driven. And this, John, at the very end of this epilogue, goes after Micah. John, had he really been listening to Arthur and processed what Arthur was saying and did not act emotionally, would not have gone after, gone after Micah. Because Arthur would never have wanted him to. Arthur was not a revenge-driven person. He often would tell Dutch he was being foolish when he was going after revenge missions. And in fact, the reason that John even gets found by the fucking Pinkertons is because he went after Micah. And in... Sorry, I kind of glossed over that part, which is extremely important. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought it up because that's like the one saving grace of the epilogue for me is that amazing fight sequence in the mountain going to gun down Micah. Yes. Because we all know that we all want to fucking murder Micah through the face like many times. You as a player (laughs) want to murder Micah. You as John wants to murder Micah. 
Um, cause I asked, I asked by John, John Drake, um, while I was playing through Red Dead, I was like, spoil it for me. Tell me Micah fucking gets his. Cause I'm rewatching Game of Thrones and I take some solace in the fact that Joffrey gets his at some <laughs> point in the series. I'm like, tell me. He's like, you sure you want to know? I go, yes. Tell me right now that this fucking terrible prick of a human being gets it. And he's like, yeah, he gets it. I'm like, okay, good. But I thought it came much earlier. I didn't realize it was at the very, very last thing of the game. But that mm. fight, the music is oh. so fantastically done. And if you don't remember, watch a gameplay video of somebody on the internet doing it. Because it's so masterfully done. And it's such a fantastic firefight. And I was... And I was not prepared for how intense that fight was going to be. I'm like going up the hill, eating every little fucking thing that's yep. in my inventory because I'm like dying and getting shot. I'm like, I need more <laughs> dead eye. Like I use a, it's like that RPG moment where you like are stocking up everything and then you just like wipe out your entire inventory through one single battle. And it was such a fitting end. And then fucking Dutch. Oh. Fucking, I gasped out loud me too when, I, when dutch came out because i what i don't i don't know why i wasn't expecting him to i think because i knew he's he's coming back later so i wasn't sure if they'd bring him in here or not well, you um, don't and know. also well, i want to yeah. like I, I assume you knew this as well Brittany, but i knew that micah was going to be the very last mission we did in the epilogue because that's just the same sort of structure as red dead uh was as well like the last mission you do as jack is killing edgar ross I wasn't expecting Dutch because, I mean, maybe this info is out there and I don't know the timeline, but I was like, is he in Mexico yet? Is he recruiting his new gang? Like, what? where is Dutch? And then he said that and I too gasped and I was like, oh my was like, God. Oh my God, you motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Bray. Obviously, Dutch ends up shooting Micah. And what I thought was interesting is if you notice the, like, the final-ish words that Arthur says to, uh, to Dutch is, I gave you all I had. I did, obviously, through a very strained, dying, and sick voice, and it's very, 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 very sad. And then John tells Dutch, Dutch, we did, we all did our best for you. Ain't our fault things turned out the way they did. And I think after that point, there's little to no dialogue shared between them, and then Dutch shoots Micah. Now, I would like to think it's because Dutch maybe was like, shit, I'm getting deja vu. Arthur said something very similar to me when I was in a very similar situation with Micah, and here I am again. And then that's why he shot Micah. That's what I would like to believe, but I don't know. Maybe Micah was just too much of an inconvenience, causing too much problems. Maybe Dutch finally saw through, and he's like, "I'm in Mexico, starting my new gang." I don't know. I think, and I think I was, I was talking with you about this, Brittany. Is I do think, in a way, he would have been more inclined. Maybe, maybe he was too far, gone, too deep in it at that point with Arthur. But I also think Arthur's tuberculosis didn't help. Because to then, Dutch looked at him and he was a lost cause. Mm -hmm. So why am I going to try and fight for you? You're going to die at, like, God knows when, but it's coming. Like, you're sort of, yeah. you're sort of a wash in my book. Now, yes, you, but Arthur and John are both two of the most, like, son-like figures to Dutch. Right. Especially John. Well, especially Arthur, I guess. But, you know, so I think, I also think on a fundamental level, Dutch probably couldn't bear the loss of both of them. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, fuck, if it's Micah or John, 
by my guy. Like, like this is a choice where John is alive. John is healthy. John has a chance. Um, Mm -hmm. Arthur never did. So that's what I would like to think is going on on some level with Dutch. But God knows. And I was shocked when he shot him because I wasn't expecting it because I just thought that (laughs) Dutch was so fucked up at that point that like there was no way to. No, I yeah. did, did, did not redeem him, but he definitely, I was like, thank God. But I think, I think also, I think we're on the right trail here because even after Arthur said, I gave you all I did, all I had, I did, Dutch stutters a little bit. And he says, I, I, and then he just kind of turns and walks away. Like he can't bring he can't, himself. He can't bear it because, yeah. And so once upon a time, this was a while ago, but I read a book about con artists and how they work and how they are able to manipulate people. And the interesting part was that the more you thought you were immune to it, the more susceptible you were. And I think that's Dutch. So Dutch, thinking he is God's gift to man, is also a con artist, managed to get conned because he didn't think it was possible. And I think both in Arthur's death and then when John is life's on the line, basically, that's those are the moments where he's sort of shaken a little bit and is able to get perspective that, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe something. Maybe they were right about maybe some of the I things they were up. saying. Maybe I yeah. fucked up. Maybe I fucked up here. I don't know that he would ever think that necessarily, but maybe he would be like, "Oh, maybe you know, maybe Micah is bad." That's probably the extent of Micah's oh. probably yeah, probably Micah's bad for me. I should eliminate him. John's on a, not John's on a threat anymore. Lol, little did he know. Yes. But yeah, Ugh. yes. And it was I interesting think impact- to me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Um, go ahead, Steimer. No, I'm going to move into a parallel between Arthur and John's death. So go ahead. The, I just wanted to briefly touch on the reason why I was upset about how the epilogue was handled was because that scene, that whole sequence where you go after Micah with Sadie was so impactful that I was really upset that between the final scene of the main game where Arthur dies... And Micah and um, Dutch escape. I was so upset that I had to go through the most mundane like missions to get to that ending. That's I think what made me mad. And like it's funny, I told John in the moment I was like, I get that. I get Rockstar is trying to extend the gameplay experience for people and kind of give you this sense of normalcy. But I didn't want that. I was heated. At the end of the game, I needed something else because I felt like Arthur's death was too brief and I needed something else to kind of like satiate this like narrative hole that I was feeling from the way that they handled the ending. And I think ultimately that final epilogue part two ending was really well done and I really enjoyed the way that they played it out. And like I mentioned earlier with the music and the gunplay and everything, but the steps to get there were so infuriating in a way that's kind of difficult to describe. Like literally shoveling shit into a barrel and building a fence and doing all these this bullshit. And I'm just like, why? It's like the whole idea of guarma. Like, why? Why did you have to do that? Like, I get the idea of setting up... Like, they have to set up the transition to John to set up how... Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, right? I get that. And I think they did a really good job with it. But they could have truncated that shit so much better 
and made it maybe like a two to three hour prologue instead of a 10 hour prologue or excuse me, epilogue. And so I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Man, it was painful. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because I didn't mind it at all. Now, granted, I loved every part of this game. I liked the pace of it. I liked how slow it was. I liked how I could just take my time with it. And like we talked about, I think, in the second segment, I know you, Andrea, were like, it does some really great things, but it's just definitely not my 100% game of the year kind of game. It's a little too slow for me. And for me, I like that sim aspect when you see characters like John Marston. And this could be because I know it's coming in Red Dead Redemption, obviously, like the earlier game. But I'd be curious to know people who did not play Red Dead Redemption, if you were invested in the story and you did like the pace of it, how they did like this epilogue. Because I like the slowness of it, although it did take me a while to get used to to transition from Arthur's death to Marston because I was very, very sad and it was too fucking soon. I needed like a mourning period. But I did... I did enjoy the pace of it, and I think it showcased Marston trying to, like you said, better his life, and it showed him in certain circumstances where he had to show patience and show restraint. Maybe it did last a little long, but for me, it didn't feel like it because I was invested in every moment that was happening. Yep. But... Yeah, I, I just think that there was just one too many bounty missions with Sadie, one too many chores to do around the farm. I think they could have like emphasized what each of those things meant individually in a, a much ed- more edited way. And I think that's where I really got upset. The one mission from the epilogue that I really thought was impactful and that I really enjoyed was where you go horse riding with Jack. Oh, I yeah. thought that that was such a nice moment to have to see a different side of John as a father, to see him interact with his son, because you don't get to see that at all during the game. And as somebody who didn't play very much of Red Dead Redemption, I mean, like maybe like five hours worth, um, I I never got to see what that relationship would become. And that moment I thought was like the one saving grace of the epilogue for me outside of the final mission where you kill Micah. But um, real question, did you let Jack win or did you win the race? I let him win. I let him win. I also let him win. No, we're good people. I was mostly <laughs> just like, you know what, kid? You're going to take up the mantle one day. You can feel good. Also, like, he's got such bad self-esteem. Go ahead. Win. Yeah. Yeah. We Build you up a little up bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But, so, But you were saying, I'm sorry. No, no. That was it. I, I don't disagree. I think um, in general, the game could have done with a little bit more editing in general. Mm. Most, most creative works could, uh, but I liked, i liked the things that we were doing, but yeah, maybe there was one to be cut a little bit of it. Snipped Shuttle down a little too much bit. Shit, build too many fences. Yes. Um, the house uh, building song was weird, but also kind of funny. Which one? <laughs> Where you build the house to the song that's all oh, about yeah, building yeah, a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that. I liked that a lot. Um, um, the one thing, real quick, that we haven't talked about, I want to talk about real quick, is the your horse death. Oh, oh my yeah. fucking god! I, I know I, that might for, have been more sad for me than Arthur. So death what happened that. to me is I was so like in the moment, I'm like, oh my god, everything's happening. That my ho- I saw my horse get shot. And then I just started running up the hill. So that cutscene, I don't think ever triggered for me where you have that final moment with your horse. Wait, really? Was, I don't remember that. Because I, oh. I, I don't think it's possible to skip that. I don't it's remember seeing possible. it. It's not possible okay, to so skip that. 
I don't know. I don't remember seeing it. Maybe I was so caught up in the moment that it didn't register. But I just watched it before we shot this. And it was so emotional that I feel like I would have remembered that if I had seen it. So maybe it bugged and it just didn't play for me. Or maybe I ran no, too cause far No, because it plays ahead. directly into whether you're, you choose to go up the hill with John or back to the... Well, thing. no, I understand. But what I'm saying is I feel like I just started running and then i got the conversation with john i don't know how it happened obviously i don't know maybe you just don't it. remember it happening but i but i watched it again for the well what i thought was for the first time right now and i was like oh my god that and the way he whis- he whispers thank He's you like, in your horse's you. ear like, like because i remember seeing my horse shot but then i remember thinking after i finished the game like that that was kind of weird like they didn't give you a moment with your horse so i don't think i saw it i don't know how i would have skipped it but i feel like something happened and i didn't see it because I remember mm. feeling like that door was that chapter, that cl- door, whatever, was never closed with my horse. Mm. I, I was like, oh, that my horse was shot and that they're not going to touch on this again. Like, that's weird. But anyway, very, very emotional, especially for you, Steimer, who hunted for your horse. Dude, <laughs> hunted, but- the horse took me forever to get. And so when she fucking died, I was like, no. And yeah, th- that part was super, super sad because I had been. That horse that I had at the very end, I had been with for like the last like 25 hours of the game. Yeah. Um, Cause I just, I, I knew that I could have gone to buy maybe a horse that had like another meter up in the categories. But I was like, no, I like this horse. I named him Bandito because he had a mask on his face. Aww. And I was just like, this is, this is my, this is my guy. We're at maximum bonding, even though I never successfully drifted on my horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, that was, that was a really, Sad moment. Um, I know we're getting to the end here because it's been quite a long show. Yes. Um, I do want to mention some things that you guys may not have realized that you can find out at the end of the game. Um, so John can find out what happened to the rest of the game via in-game encounters. Um, so this is this write-up is from SVG.com. It says, It's easy to miss these characters if you don't visit their specific locations. Simon Pearson can be found running the general store in Rhodes. Tilly Jackson can be found in Saint Denis, married to a wealthy man and visibly pregnant. Mary Beth Gaskill can became a successful novelist and can be found at the Valentine train station. Reverend Orville Swanson, who sobered himself up from both alcohol and drug addiction, quietly left the game during Chapter Six, as mentioned in a newspaper article detailing his rise to the ranks as a highly successful minister in New York. And unfortunately, the whereabouts of Karen Jones, who heavily descended into alcoholism near the end, are unknown. There are also nine graves to be found for the deceased members of the Vandalin gang. Arthur's grave, of course, which is featured in the credits where Mary comes to visit, can be found near the mountain where he died. Jenny Kirk's grave can be found at Spider Gorge. Davy Callender, who died during the intro, is buried at Poulter. Sean's grave can be found near the old camp location outside of Rhodes. Kieran Duffy's grave is outside of Shady Bell. The graves of Hosea Matthews and Lenny Summers are north of Saint Denis. And Susan Grimshaw's grave can be found close to the remains of the final Vanderlyn camp near near Beaver Hollow. And while not part of the gang, Eagle Fly's grave can be found at Donner Falls. I found Arthur's and Susan's, and it was very sad. I did not go to them. But there were two minor things. This is so small, but I just am like, I noticed these and I wanted to mention them. Um, First off, did you notice, Brittany, that the shirt that Abigail gives you is the shirt you wear when you die? No. It looks very similar. I assume that's what they were going for. Oh, shit. Um, So, like, there's a part of the epilogue where she tells you to go get a package in town 
and whatever. He gets mad because he ends up using his real name and someone finds out or whatever. Uh, but and then she's like, it wasn't even a dress for me. It was a gift for you. And then the gift is this shirt. And it uh, and then I rewatched. Right. I'm looking at the photo and it looks really similar. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty that sure so that's sad. the shirt that you wear when you die. And then also what I because I, I rewatched the Red Dead ending of of John dying. And I was like, the breathing that they do is so similar. Oh, yeah. Like the way John breathes as he's dying is similar to the way Arthur breathes when he's dying. And I was just like, ah, like these fucking people. I hate you, but I love you. But I hate the you. The only person I could talk to after I finished it was John, John Drake. And I was texting him and I was like, oh my God, why? And he was very good at counseling me. And then it was good therapy because, <laughs> oh my God. It was so hard. I'm walking around the house crying and Jason's on some stupid conference call and I can't go to him because I can't spoil it, but I eventually did have to spoil it for him. I'm like, I need someone to talk to. I'm sorry. But shout out to John Drake. Thank you, sir. Yes. You're there for me when I needed you. <laughs> shout out to John Drake indeed. Well, wow. Um, this was a doozy. As much as like you guys might think that I didn't like this game, obviously, if you listened to last week's episode, you know it was my number six game of 2018. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed many, many, many parts of this game and was so glad that you guys pushed me to finish it to the end and to see it all the way through. Because I think it's one of those pieces of game making that everybody should experience. I don't believe that you should play it all the way through to the end if you're not having fun with it. There are YouTube videos for that, thankfully. Um, But it's one of those rare pieces of art that is hard to describe in certain aspects and is really innovative in a lot of aspects. And I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I played. I didn't appreciate it the way that you did, Brittany or Steimer. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I didn't play very much of Red Dead Redemption. But I still appreciated it for what it was not having, you know, had that narrative background. Yeah. It's an incredible game, and it's hard to believe it's here. It's been out. We just did a spoiler cast on it after waiting for, what, eight years for this thing? Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And, and now, now we'll maybe someday Red Dead Online will get its act together. <laughs> we can go back to it. <laughs> Um, Well, thank you so much for hanging in there with us, everybody. We know it's been a long one, and we hope that you enjoyed the discussion. If there's a favorite moment you had from the game, you know, let us know. We're going to be uh, uploading this spoiler cast as its own video, so please refrain from making any comments about the spoiler cast section of the episode uh, publicly because, you know, we want to keep this for private from people who don't want to be spoiled. That's why we gave the warning at the very beginning of this segment. Um, but we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we will be back next week with more games to talk about. Uh, there's actually a new game coming out in a couple of months that I got to play today that I can talk about next week. It's going to be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.